Hey gang, welcome to a horrific episode of A Cut Above Horror Review. Tonight we have first-time guests in front of the show, Jacqueline's good friend Megan, on to help us do the time warp as we review 1975's cult classic, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. With a bit of a mind flip, you're into the time slip, and nothing can ever be the same. You're spaced out on sensation, like you're under sedation. Let's do the time warp again. Cut my life into pieces! Good evening, and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight, much to John's chagrin, we'll be discussing the Rocky <laughs> Horror Picture Show from 1975. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. Tonight is a momentous occasion because we have with us a longtime friend of mine who has been a, a great friend to me and who has listened to our show from the very beginning and who has been mentioned many times on this show but has never yet appeared on the show say hello to my good friend megan welcome megan hi everyone happy to be here <laughs> hello i'm so hi. happy to have you you ready to talk about rocky horror tonight i couldn't be more ready <laughs> you and i have a lot of like personal history i think to share about this movie so. yeah i feel like um jackie and i will kind of uh balance Hyderberg and john's feelings that's that's movie. how i anticipate things going too yeah. funny funny that we uh both have the same feelings about it uh but you know you know i'm not gonna assume i won't assume anything i'll wait till i hear the guys input uh speaking of the guys next up we got Hyderberg. what's going on Hyderberg? hey what's up guys uh mithrigan uh, thank you so much for coming on <laughs> Uh, Jacqueline speaks very highly of you and um, there's a lot of memories attached to her like horror um, you know the things that she's experienced through horror and you're you're attached to most of those memories from what I understand so I think that's awesome that you guys share that yeah likewise I I credit Jackie for kind of reinvigorating my love of horror what 12 13 years ago when we became friends yeah yeah 12 years ago yeah and you guys oh. are like theater buddies too. You go to the movies a lot, or you used to, right? So yeah, we used to. We don't live in the you same could, city yeah. anymore, but um, but we well, and I have all these kids that I just can't like do stuff as easily. <laughs> <laughs> these kids. Um, but I'll tell you something. What some of my best memories, like in life, are times that Megan and I would get together, either when we were both living in the same city and we'd go to each other's houses, or when we were living in different cities and she would make long drives to come stay with me. And we would just ha- like binge out on movie marathons. Mm-hmm. That's like awesome. the last time we did it, I was pregnant with my first child and she drove like six hours to come stay with me for a few days. And I think, tell me if I'm wrong, Meg, but I think in like four days, I think we watched like 17 movies or something like that. Yeah, that was wild. so like thinking about it now how exhausting but amazing I mean we were like in our early 30s then or you were in your late 20s then so because you're younger than me so that's I think that's the answer of how we did it and uh, we have our food rituals too to accompany the movie marathons Dr. Pepper for the win not a sponsored sponsored ad no uh, pizza always pizza often Velveeta shells and cheese various salty crunchy snacks and uh also homemade dunkaroos right mm. oh yeah god what a yeah. mess <laughs> you know and this is why i'm like diabetic no i'm just kidding i'm not diabetic but like 
<laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I don't want to get too off track here. Finally, last but not least, our beloved friend, John. What's, what's yeah, going? I'm here. Yeah, for sure. Um, Megan, welcome aboard. Uh, we've heard so much about you. So many great things. Hi, Jabert, Jacqueline. Uh, welcome back, by the way. Uh, mm. Megan, I, I'm curious. Uh, what was the first horror movie you and Jacqueline watched together that really kind of connected you? Oh, hard. Well, I guess it's for both uh, you and Jacqueline. So go ahead. But yeah, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for coming on. It's uh, fantastic movie? to meet you. Oh, they're both thinking about it. Look at this side of there's been, there's been, there, We've literally watched hundreds of movies together. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know I that think, we could come up with the first one. I think um, to kind of go along to kind of go along with um, the theme of tonight, mm-hmm. uh, Repo, the genetic opera, is going to be one of my most memorable that Jackie introduced <laughs> me to. John mm-hmm. looks like he wants to kill me right now. <laughs> yeah, did we watch The Strangers early on in those days? I think we watched The Strangers I so, together. Yeah. I feel like we watched um, some Japanese stuff and some French stuff. Um, I mean, Martyrs. like, I don't think we watched Martyrs together. Did I know that when, on our last visit together, when we did our like huge marathon, like 17 movies in four days, we did watch several pregnancy-related movies. Yeah, you watched Rosemary's Baby, right? We watched... Did we watch Inside. Rosemary? Yeah, we watched Rosemary's Baby, Inside. Inside. Oh, it's Alive. Oof. Oof. It's alive and due date. We watched due date. Good lord. Yeah. So you gotta throw like a knocked up in there to kind of like just no, no, we don't have to cleanse the palate a little bit. Yeah, no. I'm with Hydroberg on that. You gotta cleanse the palate after no, that. No, the, the palate cleansing. Mr. Mom was... or something. <laughs> Mr. Mom. No, the palate cleansing would be like food breaks or yeah. um sleeping. Yeah, it sounds like Dr. It. Pepper and pizza was the cleansing, right? <laughs> that cleansed something. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so i yeah i really couldn't i couldn't tell you like the the first thing or even some of the first things but i just thinking back to that house on the dirt road in the woods that i used to live in when you came to visit and i seem to remember af and a perfect setting for our horror movie night yes i still miss that house it was perfect for halloween parties too i love that i love that story and megan again it's so awesome to meet you uh we've heard a lot of great things about you so can't wait to talk about this movie that we're going to talk about. You're going to hear, you're going to (laughs) hear. Yeah, he's not, that's not sincere. That's John's Um, radio voice. Yeah, that's. (laughs) Hey everybody, welcome to A Cut Above, where we're going to talk about this musical. Yay. (laughs) So, Meg, since you listen to the show regularly, you know that John is not the biggest fan of musicals. Yeah, but the Rocky Horror Picture Show transcends musical it, it transcends everything it transcends film sure. it transcends everything but let's hold well, off on that for a moment I'm sure um, sure <laughs> it does it transcends time and space itself yeah it's true anyway I thought the movie was like a lipstick commercial because of the uh poster of it or the yeah, box Revlon. art yeah yep. apparently uh maybe it's anyways Maybe she's born with it. Maybe she's born with it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, John, I'm sure you want to salvage the last few minutes of the show before we actually have to start talking about the movie. So do you have news for us that you want to drag on for a long time? I do, actually. Uh, Well, it's officially become a uh, franchise. VHS. VHS 85 has been announced that it's 85 of them already. Holy crap. (laughs) Yeah, VHS 85. Awesome. I have a couple must have went under the radar there because they, sur- they surpassed Friday the 13th. Yeah. They surpassed Halloween. No, VHS Evil 19. Bong. 
Evil yeah. Bong. Evil, no, evil no. Bong. Twelve of those now, right? Two hundred and thirty-two. <laughs> but um, no, VHS nineteen eighty-five is actually coming to Shutter uh, October sixth. Okay. So, um, maybe it's something we got to put on our docket. But however, I think that month we have yeah, something. We got something October and, is already reserved. Okay, so. so. Yeah. Maybe later, just before the new year. So yeah, we can. Yeah, we got some time. We got some openings in uh, January and the end of December. Got, I think. Yep, we got time okay. to fill. Cool. Yeah, so, maybe maybe we'll do that. I'm interested. Um, I, I'm kind of excited about this because I never got to experience it. But Terrifier Two is coming back to theaters it November eighth. Who wants to go on a date with me? <laughs> Watch Terrifier Two. It's the perfect date movie. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> um, no, I. I I actually am excited about this because I did not get to experience it, but I think it, the fact that it's coming back and then probably, I think early 2025, that's when Terrifier 3 is coming out because Damon Leone's got like this big old budget plus the fact that, and my news sucks strike, like for the past couple of weeks because yeah, Hollywood's on. it's not your on, fault. On, yeah, it's they're on strike, so I'm hang excited on, hang about on. it. I need to jump in for one second. Did you just say early 2025? Yes. So like not fall no because it's a bigger budget so it doesn't meet that standard of a lower budget um like what um the writers and actors are trying to do on strike so they had to put it on pause so oh okay all right well then i can accept it it's just usually that's like kind of a not great time so yeah no but it also means it won't have to compete with a lot of stuff so that's you know could be good yeah true but I, I would actually go see this movie in a theater just to get get to get that experience that I, I never got. Do it. I believe yeah, I the beginning of the uh, of the year is like trash bag season. I think <laughs> that might be why they're releasing it around that time to kind of like uh, you know go along with that. Well done. Fair point. I like that. Yeah. Nice slide in there. Uh, last bit of news I have is uh, Chucky season three. The trailer dropped. Um, somebody did not watch it, but. Um, Thoughts? It's coming in to USA Sci-Fi October fourth. Hydraberg. Uh Chucky for President, twenty twenty-four. <laughs> That's exactly what That's it was. That's the vibe I got. I mean, Megan, I, I would take it. Yeah, Megan, did you see it? Yeah, I did watch the trailer. It it looks fun. It looks a little darker than maybe previous seasons, which which is fun. Um, yeah, I'm looking for and Devin Sawa, man. Oh, my nineties fangirl heart breaking. Oh, nice. I haven't he watched it. Can relate. Yeah. Yeah, he totally is in this. Uh, he, he's the president, right? It looks, I, I'm it sorry. Looks did you just say Devin Sawa is the president? Oh, yeah. that's him? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah it's God. fun what they're doing with him because apparently every season he's playing a different character, kind of like a an American Horror Story type of right. So Yeah, that's what I got, too. I, I got to be honest that I've never seen any of the other uh, Chucky seasons, but I it's obviously hit. They keep, like green lighting it to go to another season so yeah. i don't know i mean maybe it's going to be like one of those because ryan murphy's really good about like kind of predicting or or really just taking uh, uh something that's going on in uh, uh our time and making that the focus of his season so i don't know maybe maybe it's going to be good yeah that, that sounds people. cool to me it's still yeah. don mancini right and he, he yes hasn't it is done us so that's, he's really, I mean, he's really in tune with the fans. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That gives me hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. However, well, uh, I, I think your friend, uh, Jacqueline, or your friend Megan, has some news for us as well. Yeah. Some news just in the horror world. 
Would you like to share? Y'all, Halloween Horror Night opening weekend <laughs> was this past weekend, and I am fangirling. It is such a good year. Oh and I, my I, God. I say that every year, right? Because I'm such yeah. a huge fan of Halloween Horror Nights. But this year feels really elevated in like the quality. I, I don't know if they upped their budget. I think a lot of people, the ticket prices, <laughs> maybe <laughs> they upped those a little bit and then they took that money and up the budget. The houses are incredible. The scare zones are great. Just simple things like the details and the makeup, the detail and the set work. It just feels even after the first weekend, which can often be like a, a little bit of a, a struggle, I think. Um, like a dress rehearsal, out. one might yeah, say. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. It just, we, my, my friends I went with this weekend all absolutely loved it. So oh. if you get to Orlando, come check it out. Do you want to share a few highlights, like some of the best houses and scare zones? Yeah, sure. So again, this always fluctuates, right, from from week to week on what your favorite houses are. But um, there's a Yeti themed house that, um, you know, I wasn't a lot of people were really excited about it. I, I wasn't so sure. I wasn't convinced necessarily when they did the reveal, but it's super campy, super fun, super scary because the Yetis are huge. Right. So anything that's you know, jumping out of a corner and it's double your size is going to scare the crap out of you. So the Yeti house is really, really great. Um, there's another house called The Darkest Deal, which is New Orleans based, based in New Orleans. And it's about kind of a jazz musician who makes a deal with the devil. So that just kind of the creative behind that was super fun. Um there's a Stranger Thing house, which, you know, the masses are going to go straight to that. There's a The Last of Us house this year, which oh, seems nice. to be very popular also. I'm not personally um, a huge fan of those IPs just because I haven't had a lot of exposure to them. But it, it sounds like the, cr- the crowds, the fans are really enjoying those houses as well. Um, there's a there's a vampire themed 60s scare zone that just is fabulous. Is it kind of like hammery or like, is it more like kind of psychedelic or what is super psychedelic? Okay. Okay. That that sounds hammered for sure. Yeah. 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 You know, flower power everywhere, bell bottoms. That sounds rad. Yeah. Super fun. What a weird combination of things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they've done um, for the past few years, they've done like a a decade vampire themed. Um, I feel like they. What was it last year? I don't remember that. Was the eighties last year? Maybe Uh, so many Lost Boys. I just I remember vampires, but I don't remember a decade. Yeah, they did. It was called called like Vamp eighty nine, I think, and now this one's called, or maybe it was seventy nine, and this one's called Vamp sixty nine. Of course. 69, dude. It's 70. (laughs) 69, dudes. Yeah. Well, it's a decade. I don't remember what this is. (laughs) Now that I'm on the (laughs) She said 69. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds rad. Yeah, so it's been great. Um, You know, they've been open just this past weekend, so still have two full months of Halloween Horror Nights to enjoy. That's crazy. They open it really early. Yeah, was it like a week earlier this year? Because I was yeah. like, really? When you texted me that you were on your way, I was like, really? September. I was expecting it to be next weekend. Yeah, but that, it, it, yeah it, it seems like Halloween has become more and more of a popular yeah. quote-unquote holiday. I mean, it's just like like when they start opening um, holiday, like in October, where they start doing the holiday music or whatever. And But like Halloween just seems like it's become more and more popular, so... I don't know. I I, I think 
Yeah, or is totally fine. By the way, Meg, um, Butters is my favorite mascot of the show. He is so <laughs> fucking adorable. Butters, really what oh, are you doing, buddy? Hey, buddy. Hey. Hi. Hi. Look oh, at him. He oh. is cute. He's pretty chill. He's a sweetie. That's a sweet pup. <laughs> Butters, the, the new mascot I look out of love. Hey. No, Meg, I think that you also have had another recent experience that our listeners would absolutely be interested to hear about. Right? A certain musical event that you attended? What did I attend? Why don't I know what you're talking about? A concert? <laughs> oh my God. Somebody we mentioned on the show all the time. Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah. 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 You literally yeah. like dig through the ditches. To me and I totally <laughs> went. So apologies. Okay. I can edit, I will clean it up. I'll make you sound glorious. <laughs> no, fuck that. That was. Perfect. I mean, it was like, wait, who did I see? I, I go to so many concerts. Yeah. However, oh, I just can't even remember. He's so which bougie. Concert. He's like, oh my God, I don't know. I think I see Taylor Swift last night. I don't even remember. I saw Taylor Swift. I saw the Beatles, all four of them, even though two of them are dead. Yeah. Somehow I saw them. They were reanimated. It was oh. amazing. <laughs> okay. So, how was the Rob Zombie concert? I'm dying to know. Yeah. So, um, it was actually Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. Oh, so, fuck like, yes. That duo fuck yeah. was really incredible. Um, you know, Rob Zombie shows are always produced really well. They're super fun. They're really theatrical. And he didn't disappoint this time this time either. So it was just a great time. He, you know, he, he played his greatest hits. And, you know, everyone. Did he talked. mention us? <laughs> he did. Yeah. He called out Jackie specifically. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Yeah. I mean. He's like, when are we going to schedule that three-way? Yeah, Meg, I I do got to say is that Rob Zombie's music, I love it. Uh, I've seen him probably three times in concert, and the guy puts on a fucking great show. And the music, it's like, it's on my Spotify Spotify playlist, along with a kind of a poor review. Um, Yeah, anytime I go to the gym, but I mean, it's just like, like, the guy's great in concert. He just can't direct a fucking movie john I, get the fuck out of conversation here for another time don't don't okay. even start don't even yeah, start. I, I need sorry. to see my finger sorry. went up like yeah, excuse, <laughs> excuse me, me sir can i speak to your manager okay so maybe that Hi, Jibber, come answer. on get my back on this please that uh yeah he puts answer. on a great show i i've uh i've seen uh, not live but his shows look i like the theatricality that he does at his shows mm-hmm. um yeah uh, right. his movies are uh, yeah i have uh, yeah, I have issues with some of his movies, but I don't know. Watch yourself. John, I don't, Watch yourself. John I'm getting like evil eyes from both these two. I don't really want to <gasps> go there, John. Well, I won't Actually, say any, anything more. John, that might be the answer to your question. It might be like The Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses that were some of uh, our earliest viewing experiences together. That that might be up there in the okay. earliest days. So, yeah. Have, have you have... seen The Monsters? Meg, have you seen The Monsters? Yeah, yeah I, just, I didn't want to reply. Oh, <laughs> but I have. Would you agree? Thumbs down. I, I'll give it like a sideways. Oh my god, <laughs> sideways. <laughs> Not a complete oh. thumbs down, but a little disappointing. Even yeah. I have to admit. Yeah, we we will defend him though. We will defend him. Yeah. All right. That, we had think... you had your episode. Todd came on. He helped you out. I t- yes, I I do always make sure to have backup on our Rob Zombie yeah, episodes, and we'll sure. continue to do so because I don't want to <laughs> fight that fight alone. 
Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so uh, we should probably move on because uh, this was Jacqueline's pick this week. Sure was. And you guys can't be mad because it was my birthday weekend. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy birthday, by the way. Yeah. I, I texted you when we talked, but you did. Yeah. You. Well, happy sweet. belated birthday. And I Thank did not you. text. And I am that's, sorry. That is great you. that we're doing this movie then for your birthday week. Like, that's that's cool. I strategically planned it that way so that you couldn't kick me off the show on my birthday weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we're not um, going to kick you off. Okay. Plus, we have Megan here. So, I mean, we can't do that. Come on. Yeah. I feel like I continuously just pick movies that are going to make you guys mad. <laughs> I feel like I always need I mean, I don't up. know. I think some of our best episodes are those uh, those picks sometimes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps somebody I may will not surprise love, I may you with curse his you review. While I'm watching the film, but when we're reviewing it Damn and passing it. Damn you. All right. So, Jacqueline, uh, this was your pick this week. Uh, 1975's Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um why in the world did you make us watch this movie? I mean, how much time do you have for me to explain this? Um, <laughs> Not, a like... Not a lot. Not a lot. No, go ahead. Like, let's get this over with. Um, I So this movie, and I'm sure Megan has probably some kind of parallel story, but um, this movie has meant a lot to me for a long time. I first saw it um, as a freshman in high school. A friend showed it to me and... It didn't like totally register on my radar at first. I was like, oh, this is cool. Okay. And then I kind of forgot about it. But then um, in 11th grade, I sort of was like undergoing some like transitions in my kind of like the way I was conceiving of myself and like presenting myself. And like I was kind of making friends with some different people at school. And I joined the drama club and I became friends with um, a lot of the kids in the drama club. And at that time, it was the late 90s. And they had kind of steeped themselves in this like sort of um i want to say like kind of a goth aesthetic although it was a private school and we wore uniforms so like there's only so goth you can get in a uniform Did you like girls from the craft <laughs> yeah it was kind of like that actually but um it actually kind of was um but the the kids in the drama club um were really nice to me and really welcoming to me drama was kind of a new thing for me and i kind of like fell in with like kind of um, taking on some of that goth aesthetic myself a little bit, not like full force, but a little bit. And um, most of them were really into Rocky Horror. And so it kind of, so I was like, well, I'll revisit this. I, I liked it. Let me kind of get into it. And then something about it just really clicked for me that at that time. Um, coincidentally, also at that time, I um, I had been dating boys but I also started to kind of like, you know, take notice of girls at the time. And I was sort of like trying to cope with that. And uh, and so it just kind of like really hit for me. It was like I felt at that time in high school, I felt like very kind of outside of the social norm. I didn't really have like a ton of friends. I felt like I, you know, wasn't like most of the people. I mean, who doesn't have that high school story? Right. Um, and so it was a way for me to kind of like... Um, share an experience of like feeling like you're not part of the norm but still celebrating that you know what I mean like it mm -hmm. wasn't an angsty thing it was like hey like we're different and that's cool like mm -hmm. we like being strange and you know it was kind of like a um a way to create like a sense of like self-acceptance I think and so um I realized that like this movie is not that for everybody but for me it it was it was that 
Mm-hmm. Aside from that, even though it's just been something I always I love musicals, as you well know. <laughs> I love I love a musical. I really like the songs in here. I just I think it's a super fun. I love things that are campy and really weird. And um, it's just it's a movie I've seen so many times. It was like hard for me to watch it with any kind of a critical eye or even like really paying attention to it in a way because it's so familiar and I want to repeat not just the lines, but also like the audience participation callback lines at the same time. It's like, no, I actually have to pay attention like to what is going on here. I was trying to watch it as if it were for the first time, even though it wasn't. And that was, um, you know, maybe with mixed results. But so there's there's a lot of, of reasons that I love this movie. Some are kind of deep and some are more superficial, but I just I just um, I love it. And And then I also heard that you had not seen it. So I was like, oh, well, we got to cover it. And so, so uh, before I hand it back to you, uh, Jacqueline, does this movie fuck or does it suck? I'm so glad you asked, John. <laughs> <laughs> this movie will make you give yourself over to absolute pleasure and swim the warm waters of sins of the flesh. And so, like a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania, <laughs> it fucks. And in fact, it fucks pretty much anybody. <laughs> so there. there you go. <laughs> Can I go last on this when you take over? Okay. Yeah, let me go last. But, so yeah. Megan, go first. Okay. Well, I've given it back to Jacqueline. Uh, okay. Uh, Megan, uh, does Rocky Horror Picture Show fuck or suck? I am so curious as to what you will say. Yeah, it resoundingly fucks. And what is interesting about this movie is it's a great fuck in private, but it's a better fuck with a group, and mm. then even better fuck in public it's true it it demands public fucking <laughs> and people watching apparently. exactly yes Hyderberg, what say you uh yeah for me this is a sexually charged yet confused flaccid fuck okay flaccid let's I'll say. take that I'll take okay. that I'll take it. I'll take uh, it. There, there's room to grow, as Bob from a straight, a straight Chilling would say right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's see where the conversation leads, and then we'll see. It's a grower, not a shower. Yeah, exactly. Uh, John, oh, God. Does yeah. it fuck or suck? Yeah, I know. I know. Um, you mentioned it before. I don't like musicals. Um, what the fuck am I watching this movie for? <laughs> oh, my God. I watched it twice. That should be a hint. Um, I did watch it twice. You um, watched Poltergeist twice. Poltergeist twice. By the way, I did. I did just to make sure I hated it that much. But um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna say this movie has a lot of importance mm. of what we're going through, not just now, but like in the past. This movie is older than I am, but it had a lot to say. Um, it really did. I, I fucking hate musicals. Like, damn it, this movie. Damn it, Janet. This movie is important. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this is a fuck, but for a certain uh, people that like that, but it's important. This movie is. I mean, this movie is a classic. It really is. Whether you want to call it a cult classic or a classic, it, it, it's... It's important. I mean, it really is. I mean, just like like people are still talking about it today. This movie is almost fucking 50 years old. And it's just like wild. I, I, am I wrong? Is this like the first cosplay that ever happened? 
Like when it came out, people are going to theaters and grabbing, oh, yeah, grabbing okay. toilet paper and, and dressing yeah. up like Frankenfurter. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this movie is important. I hate musicals. I hate <laughs> music. Like, stop singing in a fucking. Wait, wait, John, John, how do you feel about musicals? <laughs> I fucking hate them. But no, okay. anyways, <laughs> it's just like like stop singing in a in a, in a movie. But. <laughs> It is important. It is. I mean, and this movie was so progressive. So I'm going to give this a. You're giving a rating already? <laughs> no, no. I'm just going to say it's like a important fuck that was fine, but it's still an important fuck. And maybe like, okay, it's a fuck that you lost your virginity to, but it's forgettable. Okay. Okay. All right. So it it, it holds a special place. It's important it for certain reasons, but maybe. Sure. It the fuck itself was not so memorable. Just, just to go back on an older episode, one of my favorite quotes of John's on our show is there's a moment where he just goes, I hate musical shit. <laughs> like the way he said I it. Do. Was, musical I do. shit. <laughs> like anything musical, musical at all. Shit. <laughs> like fuck that shit. I love it. But it's again, strange. I've watched it. Yeah, I watched it twice and it was just like, there's something important here. Uh, when it was filmed and you know like, like like there's this like bigger picture that it kind of grew into you know I, I wouldn't call it a cult classic i would call it a classic so it could be both oh. so John, it, it, it's your losing your virginity fuck that okay. you know maybe is not the most memorable but it was yeah so i think you're right like in that way you could almost see it like literally as like a rite of passage you know sure. a lot of a lot of young sure. people um, John, something I, I admire about you is I feel like I can always count on you, even in, like if you have a negative opinion, like a negative personal opinion of something, I mm -hmm. still find that you're very fair minded in like acknowledging if something's important, even if it's not your cup of tea. It really so, is. I, I respect I, that about you. I mean, and the one thing is, is that if you go into, down that rabbit hole about this movie is that you'll see a lot of YouTube videos of like Tim Curry or Susan Sarandon. Uh, reflecting on this movie very kindly, you know, even though Susan Sarandon had like pneumonia or something like that, like, like during this, it was just like, you know, this kind of launched my career or this, it really did this for society. And it was like, yeah, I see that. I, I see that and fucking Tim Curry. Oh my God. I mean, as much as he's ailing right now, he's still alive, right? He's still alive, but he's not well. He's not well. He had a stroke. I mean, he's yeah. in a wheelchair and it's just like like what he did in this movie was fantastic. I mean, it was it was good. It was so good. Yeah. Well, I'm anxious to get into it more, but first let's get that spoiler war warning. Okay. And then uh, I can't wait to hear Hyderberg's reach around. I can't either. Um <laughs> we'll be talking about uh Rocky Horror Picture Show from 1975 in its entirety. If you have not seen this film, make sure you pause the podcast, go watch it. Come back to find out what we thought about it. Please do. Hydraberg, do you have a reach around plot summary for us? I do. Do you have to moisten your eyes real your, quick? No, he already moistened them. They're already nah, moist. They're, they're just they're moist. moist. They can be they're moist. Right like the lips <laughs> behind you, they're moist. I think they're pretty moist. Yeah, like the lips of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Your they're, lips you look You put lip gloss in your today. eyes? No. Yeah, my lip, my, my lip gloss is popping. I, I, I think I'm amazed that you know that song. As the kids yeah, say. I, I think I think his lips look fantastic. Time, by the yeah, way. your lips look moist too, Hydraberg. Yeah, you ready? <laughs> yes. I'm Hold moist. on, I gotta mute my mic so I don't laugh. <laughs> I would like, if I may, to take you on a journey where time is warped and aliens behave very flirty. 
an erotic tale of all things dirty. On a dark and stormy night, tired trouble for a couple so polite. Moonlit sky filled with flashing white light. A castle there beyond the gates. A place out of the rain, a dark estate. Just need to use the phone if not too late. On the door they knock both Brad and Janet. Two lovebirds scared like rabbits. Now meet your host, beings from another planet. Transylvanians from the orb of transsexual. The galaxy of Transylvania, it must be a spectacle. Beings flamboyant about all things sexual. Riffraff, magenta, and Columbia too. Enamored by the doctor and his tub filled with goo. Inside it a specimen, perfect and true. A being of pure innocence being told what to do. The human race must have sunk even further. When compared to the creature of Dr. Frankenfurter, Janet was ravaged, but it never hurt her. Now it's revealed at this moment the siblings plan to go home. But not the mad scientist, all he wants to do is bone. Shot by his servants, left to die all alone. Wrapped in the arms of his creation as he mourns his father. They fall both together and die on the water. A tale of a creature called Rocky Horror. Oh my god, I'm like, I'm almost crying. I'm almost crying from laughing. It was so good. Can you repeat the line about aliens so flirty? Um, Yeah. I would like I would like if I may to take you on a journey where time is warped and aliens behave very flirty. <laughs> An erotic tale of all things dirty. I just like I, I I'm that was an add on. Actually, I had finished my reach around without that. And I realized I didn't have anything about the time warp in there. And I was like, shit, I really think I want to add that, even though I feel like what I wrote is complete and it was getting a little long. Yeah, like, and put that time warp. I, I, I think stuff. time warp is like the most associated with yeah. this, along with your poster that you have in the background, yeah, um, yeah, like the lips. Sound. But I mean, it's just I don't know. They, they, they the song was kind. Of, it, it gave away the plot, I guess, right of the whole movie. My reach around? No, 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 no. Oh, the time no, warp like, song? No, the lip singing about Janet. Oh and, no, those are um. Those are like references to old like 1950s sci-fi and B-horror movies like yeah. The Day the Earth Stood Still and Flash Gordon and Day of the Triffids. And yeah, so those are like paying homage to um, the kinds of movies that Richard O'Brien, who originally wrote the, the play, it. it was a it was a play at first. Um, those were references to the kind of things that he loved and watched growing up. So and that's what this movie is like, meant to it's be. Like a, it's like the ultimate special feature film that you're going to go to the theater and see yeah you know I mean? like, so like that, some that sci-fi some horror some yep. boobs like so like a whole Break melange if you will yeah. melange yeah, of- well done. <laughs> um, where's rocky horror show two electric boogaloo that's what it's I'm actually called it shock remake. Remake. yeah and i'm shock thinking remake. that next time <laughs> oh there is it there is a sequel there's a sequel like a real sequel it's i really well, like just the alternative like 20th 20th century fox opening with like the different music yeah. And the music creeping in, like, right from the beginning. I, li- I kind of like that. And the close-up the, of the lips, I thought it was an interesting open. Like, I, I'm aware mm-hmm. of them, but I've never sat down and watched, you know, exactly what was going on. But I do like that the uh, the atmosphere that, like you said, they were setting for you is like, hey, you're about to go on a journey of, like, craziness and science fiction and whatever and, like, horror and, like, pop uh, yeah. thing. I'm curious of how Meg felt about um, Tim Curry because he stole this fucking movie. Oh, it's yeah. His. yeah, he I mean, he's a genius. Even back then, I believe I believe this was everyone's first major film. Is that correct? Even yeah. him? Susan Even Sarand- him? Susan Sarandon no, she was in a, a couple of other films, but I don't yeah. think any of them really gained her any attention like this one did. So I would say this is more. Well, like she had my out. attention in this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tim Curry um, w- was really confusing for me because he's 
like bad and narcissistic, but also hot, Charming. weird way. It, it, yeah, confusing character. Yeah, he was he, a very. I, I I give you a lot of credit, uh, Meg, because I was not confused at all. I did not give a. I do not. I've never given a fuck about his like moral failings. Just like yeah. give it to me. And and I, y'all, Jackie had a Rocky Horror themed Halloween party. And she dressed, <laughs> up as, she dressed up as Frankenfurter. So if you think Tim Oh, Kirk that's amazing. Yes, the the juice is going. I need to see pictures Jackie of that. I will send you pics privately, but also yeah. it must be said that Megan dressed up as Magenta and nice. one of her good friends Kyle came as Riff Raff and somehow halfway through the party they switched costumes. What? So, I have photos of both. <laughs> That's crazy. I do think that Curry's character is just so odd that it makes yeah. like it makes you captivated by him, like his performance whenever he's on screen. Like his performance as Frankenfurter is very entertaining. Like and you as feel straight man, when you're watching. Yeah, as a straight male, I thought Tim Curry looked beautiful. I, I really <laughs> yes. did. I mean, it was just like 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 whenever his corset would come down at the end of the movie, I was like. Oh my god! I'm looking at boobs. What? What am I? I well, there is a moment with that with one of the actual female uh, yeah. with um with that Columbia. Columbia. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, well, no, I understand that, but but like like didn't. right when he's like <laughs> almost like a vulnerability of Tim. Curry's yeah, that's character. what it is. Yeah, and it was just like uh, he's a beautiful man. I mean, okay. I mean, he yeah, owns he this is. role. Uh, regardless of what his sexuality is at this moment in his life i don't know sure like but he just commands this role and owns it you know whether he's just comfortable in this character Mm -hmm. so i have some background that you guys might not be aware of i know meg probably is but um just to be clear was this the first full viewing by both of you guys yeah this time no i i've seen all the way through no, I've seen it before but it just it it was like really forget old me because i was like so in my own little like freaking hole of like not watching musicals so okay i had seen it before i'm sorry i I thought you had never seen it before but so a little background for you this started as a stage play in london in the west end um in london and that was like two years before the movie was made with the same actors yeah so it's some many of the same actors so tim curry played the original frankenfurter richard o'brien who wrote so Richard O'Brien is the one who plays Riff Raff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he basically created this whole mm-hmm. show. Um, Patricia Quinn, who plays Magenta, who Meg and I saw. Or did she never show up? Did we see her? Did she finally get there that time at the convention? I've seen her at some point. I can't remember which convention. She was yeah. coming to a midnight like a midnight showing of Rocky yeah, yeah. at the at the convention. And, but she was like an hour late and people started to leave. I don't remember what happened, but it was. She, she was Magenta? Yeah, she was Magenta, okay. and then okay. Little Nell, who plays Columbia. So those were like the four original cast members who stayed on through the stage mm. show and the f- and came back for the film. So Tim Curry also played Frankenfurter when it opened in L.A., like in its first U.S. run. So he he played it when it came to L.A. as well. I don't remember about the other actors, but I know Tim Curry did. So he had a lot of experience playing this role, basically for like two years. Before oh, wow. this movie, and when you know did what? Clue come out? Eighty-seven, eighty-four. Oh, because I'm just just to see, think about him doing this and then going off of that and mm-hmm. getting Clue. Like that's the the jumping off point from that to this. Like to, it's just amazing to think of his career, like where it was going at this yeah. point. It's like, I mean, well, he's not totally varied, but legit. It's another career. movie where he commands, you know, control of most of the plot and you know the highlight. I mean, he's the highlight of it. 
he's he's moving the story around. The same thing and, with this movie. And mm-hmm. I, I I apologize, Jacqueline, but I did dig into some trivia. That's but fine, the huh? fact that that, that Magenta, that Riff Raff and uh, Frankenberger were actually in the beginning scene, the the, yeah, the, the wedding scene. scene. Yep, yep. They yep. were there. They were hidden in the background. They yeah. were. And so you see the priest. It's it's what's his name. He turns around. It's he Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Hammer for the yeah. most time. Yeah, and, and, then, really- and then the American Gothic, like like the woman yeah. and the man, were riffraff and magenta, magenta. and I, I was magenta. just like, I was still fixated. I watched that like a couple of times on t- YouTube. I was like, that is them. Oh my god, look! I at noticed, that. and it- I was like, am I supposed to notice that right away? Was that like hidden really well, like originally? Like, was that something that you have to rewind and think, like, oh shit, they were there from the beginning, like. Right, but you look at it, and they're so stoic, and they're just like sitting there. It in makes the like the whole thing seem like a dream state. Like, did they yeah, ever get in their car yeah. and actually travel to, or did they get taken when they were at the fucking church, and that was it? Like, so I have a little trivia to throw. I feel like this is the right moment to throw it in here. Perfect. So Richard O'Brien um, and Jim Sharman, the director of the film, mm-hmm. um, kind of like envisioned this movie as like a dark version of The Wizard of Oz. With mm. like the characters yeah. that you see later in these like colorful roles, but they show up early on in these darker kind of like, versions, yeah, um, yeah, and these kind of like more humdrum type of roles, and and in fact they had intended uh, originally with the film to have the opening scenes in black and white, and then oh, wow. as they as they head towards Transylvania or as they head towards the castle, like something is in red, and then when they throw open the door and see all the Transylvanians, then it would be in full color. It didn't work out that way, but it, mm-hmm. that's what they were kind of imagining. Was like I liked uh, like meeting Janet though and Brad. Like I liked their back and forth. I thought instantly, like I felt kind of attached to them. I was like, all right, they're they're cheesy, but you know, it's a musical. It's they're meant to be. But like Janet <laughs> hanging on his every breath, like waiting for a proposal. Like I thought it was funny, and he's like beating around the bush, and then eventually they have that song, which I thought "Damage Janet." I thought that's a, I don't know if that's the name of the song, but that's the name of the song. I thought it was a pretty good little bit. Uh, the music here in most of the parts just comes in at the right time, and it fits. Like John, you had mentioned before in other shows about musicals, like they don't sing the entire time; they're acting mm-hmm. for a good portion of it, and then they break into right. song. And yeah. so I kind of like those kind of musicals better than ones that are doing music the entire time. Yeah, so that's like a rock opera, basically. Yeah, I kind of like that idea of like, we're going to, you know, the scene's going to play out a little differently because we're going into a tangent. We're going into where, you know, we're going to talk about things in a musical fashion and and allude towards, you know, different things. And I just think uh, for the most part, this film does a pretty good job for me as a guy who's, you know, not I'm not really into musicals, but. For the most part, it it kind of brings you into the next musical piece. I thought pretty well. I think I don't think yeah, I don't think it was so much that. I thought it was so much of the plot. I mean, it brought the plot more together. Like when it when yeah, whoever that's the thing about musicals. I don't. I'm not always connected to them, and that's exactly right. Yeah, right. And with this film, I think they do a pretty decent job of at least keeping you, you know, going. um, Even Mm -hmm. if you're not into musicals, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of film I could definitely see somebody who's not into musicals, but let them see this film. Maybe they'll like it. And it'll Megan, Megan was going to say something. Yeah, Meg, what were you going to say? I, I was just going to say, I think the the opening scene that we were talking about, the Damn It Janet scene is so important in the way that Janet is portrayed um, mm. because it sets her up as kind of the, I don't know about weak, but maybe, maybe weak, really this very 
straight course of her life is what she's looking for. And it, it allows the rest of the movie to really develop her character into someone who's very different, which I know we'll get to at the end. But, you know, this scene is pretty integral in um, kind of grounding us in what the characters are in this reality and then versus what they what they end up being. That's true. Right. Let, yeah, let me ask you, Meg, though, is, is did Janet actually feel like, um, I don't want to say she was promiscuous but she was curious about other things like, I am like, like portrayed as a virgin yeah, yeah I mean, exactly I feel like Janet is kind of the epitome of this is yeah I feel like Janet is kind of the epitome of what society expects women to be mm-hmm. right and what a lot of women want to be and have correct know, yeah narrow minded yeah, that was my that was my point. Is that that she felt like this almost like, well, I've got to abide by this, but it's no, that's not the way Janet is. Yeah, yeah and I don't like, I I don't get the impression that Janet necessarily at the beginning of the film even realizes that there's a different path for her or realizes that she might feel differently. She needed these crazy weird aliens <laughs> to come into her life to kind of realize and actualize who she who she can fully me yeah i disagree because when she got the bouquet i mean she just she, she felt like she was just like hey, hey i got it no she's like super excited she's like yeah, i, I got it i got it and it's kind of showing that like role that the most women are expected to you know travel uh in society it's like well meet a meet a good guy get married have kids and, and, and that's what she wants at, there, at first she thinks she wants that yeah on the flip sure. side i i think brad is is really similar right just like yeah he's not hyper masculine or anything but he's kind of the breadwinner the husband he's that stereotypical mm-hmm. he wants to like protect her and he's like it's all right janet you know like he's kind of this um very uh he fits into this kind of like narrow box like a, of like almost like how a men are supposed to masculine behave. it is it yeah. very much and is. leave it to beaver sort of i got this and we, see, me. we see his character kind of disintegrate at the end because he doesn't have Janet as her, you know, female stereotype. And so then, you know, at the end of the day, what does he have to work off of if he doesn't have his... his I like that he never... It's not like he ever turns on her or anything, though. No. no. Acknowledges. I like... Because they were both seduced by Dr. Frankenfurter. So, like, they were both enticed in a way. And then I like that there's a a mirror aspect to, like, the the encounter that they both have with the doctor Mm -hmm. portraying themselves, you know. Right, but but I think that I think that Janet like leans into it more because well, then she's she has like, more excited the... about it. No, but so again, Janet you know, has like an Rocky awakening. Horror. Yeah, yeah, Brad... but it's a lot quicker than Brad. I mean, and and you know, Brad's like, you know, okay, hold on, hold on. And he's like, calm down. Brad lets go down. a little well, bit of some well, of the things that you yeah. know, like make well, him so fight, but. I think both Janet. Brad and Janet have an awakening in their own ways. They, and I think Janet embraces it, whereas I think Brad is disturbed by it. Yeah, he totally is. I, that's my point, is that, that you know, Janet's just like, hey, listen, you know, I have feelings too. Okay, go ahead. And then Brad's <laughs> like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, this old style of feeling, which is why I think this movie is important, because it's just kind of like, it breaks the life of, hey, you got feelings. Um, let it go. Let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it breaks so many taboos of the day that Agreed. were like kind of Agreed. like it, this was really groundbreaking. Like, it's not to say that there weren't 
you know, representations of queer people in movies. But I think this sure. was like so overt and so like flamboyant about it. Yeah, and people that were like against these sort of things, you couldn't ignore ignore it. Like the popularity of this film at the time was just total flop. But not too long after that, it really gained a lot of traction, became like very widely viewed right. um, and and known by like you know the masses. Mm. So it it became like a real um, like sort of cultural touchstone. But uh, going back to the beginning for a minute, I I so agree with what you said, Megan, about why that wedding scene is important to like establish what these characters are about and i also think that that scene is important to establish them as like very mainstream like so-called normal people so that viewers who may be watching this for the first time can kind of relate to that and like ground themselves in it first before things Mm -hmm. get wild you know what i mean Um, we take the journey along with them Exactly. Well, even, and and yeah, I don't think that the criminologist is a great character to kind of lead a viewer. It's like a Virgil almost like leading us through like, circles of hell. I like his <laughs> like, character. I like his character and I like the moments that we break off to him. And most of the time he's super serious, but his dialogue is really well put together. I like the way he yeah. I like the I like the prop of the book where it shows like the police statements and the pictures of the victims and we don't really know what happened to them yet at the end of the night, but we know that something happened and he's kind of just like catching us up on what you know this is this story has already happened before so it's like i i and i like that when we break later on to him during that dance sequence he's teaching us how to do the dance the time warp, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like off the desk yeah i like that how like the rest yeah <laughs> um let's do the time warp again yeah my like favorite also- song my favorite song in the whole movie is near the beginning when they're you know driving up to the castle or walking up to the castle over at the frankenstein place that song such a bop and i scream sing it every time i want to <laughs> I, so I appreciate you mentioning that actually meg let's do karaoke and sing that oh boy go nobody. ahead one two three go <laughs> not happening my <laughs> notes at this point i do really like the creepy buildup of brad and janet like getting the flat tire and having to walk in the rain and then like oh fuck it we'll just you know, we'll walk. And I love the Scooby-Doo, like, scary castle vibes that you get from the beginning of it. It's like, it's cheesy, but it's so good for this aesthetic. I, lo- I love the aesthetic of, like, the creepy gate, enter at your own risk, like, I don't know, all that stuff. And then there's, like, this music that's swelling at this point that starts to build up to when they're going to knock on the door. And I love that moment of how it, like, opens up to that. I like the way the scene is shot as well as, like, we get to see the, what's his name? Riffraff. Uh, Riff Raff, yeah, in the window singing along and we get like we pan in to we zoom into him and then we pan back out to the couple. And I think it was really, you know, it's a musical, but I think they're keeping us engaged. And I think that's a difference that some musicals don't always do. I like the way this one's shot. It's kind of cinematic and in a lot of moments where I, well, I, have I really. You, have you ever seen a more moody character than Riff Raff? <laughs> no. In the rain, just like. No. He's all right. I, I, so, uh, my, one of my favorite moments is when he's serving them dinner and he's just pouring like some of the fucking wine and then like the rest <laughs> is spilling on the plate and the fuck. He's just like, whatever. That's a a, you know, yeah. you, you know, what's weird about that is that that uh, Young Frankenstein was filmed, what, 74? Where like Igor. Yeah. Igor was, was like was a riffraff. Yeah. I think that I think the, that character came in with some of the like uh, universal. No, pictures. no, I get that, but I—I mean, the thing was, is that it—it it was just like it was almost that—that—that that, that shot was like Igor just it shot up on his face really quick, and it yeah. was like, oh wow, 
So there's a lot of visible, um, like borrowing of some of these old movies that Richard O'Brien was was kind of paying tribute to. Like, sure. I mean, the lyrics of that song, Meg, which I also love, um, it's literally called Over at the Frankenstein Place. And this is very much a Frankenstein story, right? It like borrows even some of those images from the first Frankenstein film with the creature coming to life. And, you know, he's built this creature, although this this one is for sex, you know. Yeah, it's for sex. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Frankenfurter, when he when he makes his first appearance, he actually looks quite a bit like Dracula. Yeah. Um, you know, with the cape on and he has this kind of like gothy makeup on. He's then, got servants. Um, yeah, he's got servants. So it's like it's kind of this mishmash um of of some of these classic horror movie imagery that that and a little Phantom of the Opera too, even though he's not concealing his face, the theatricality yeah. of him. Exactly. Phantom. Exactly. Um and so for, by the way, I just have to say that moment when Frank throws his cape off and stands there in all his glory with his corset <laughs> and fishnets on. That's just like, I, I cannot help but stand up and cheer every time. I just, mm. it's, I can't, I can't not do it. It's, it's glorious. It's shocking. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh. Were you not expecting that? No, I, I'm aware of it. I just haven't seen the image in HD where you can see like the little tufts of hair around the panties and stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, like a very yeah, horny it's movie. 80, like it's it. a 70s, I get it. It's the 70s. People are a little hairier back then. But yeah, I think Tim... Yeah, Tim Curry just killed this role. Uh, Insert ad about manscaping here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we need Manscaped. a sponsor. Sponsor a cut above. Because it, or you know, it's obviously like, it's obviously there's like a queer overtone to his performance in a oh, sense. Yeah. But, that's that's so, what makes in, this in movie so sense. beautiful. <laughs> but it's manly I, too. It's like there's, you know, like he's a transsexual. So it's like there sure. are elements of like this moment of charmingness where he's like a straight male or like he plays it so well. He dips back and forth in his performance. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because I I think about that all the time. Like, but that's the lyrics is that I'm a sweet transsexual from or, or sweet transvestite from like transsexual this, Transylvania. Transylvania. I mean, so it the, was the like time song I know I'm supposed to like because that's one of the most famous. But I've never seen this film in the theaters. Yeah. I didn't love that song as much. Okay. It's I loved this song. I loved the the sweet transsexual. I loved his performance here. I love the bravado. Like he, he's got pipes. You can hear Tim Curry singing himself. I don't know trivia wise exactly who sang what. Um, oh, he I did. I think all of them did their own singing except for Rocky. Yeah, but, Tim, but I something. think everybody else did their own singing. Yeah, Rocky's vocals were uh, dubbed he over. Low and he's like, I'm just a sweet. You know, like, like I love that. I think it's hit great. It, hit it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was. I'm so glad that you said that because I think he really like carries off this perfect balance. Like somehow he is both hyper feminine and hyper masculine. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. it he's so unique. He's an alien. That's why. But you're right. Yeah. I guess only an alien can be that perfect. Mm -hmm. Um. But Hyderberg, you're right. There's like a moment where he like he takes Janet's hand and kisses it and says enchanté. But then other moments where he's like, "Oh, Brad, you're so forceful!" Like, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like he takes on this kind <laughs> of like feminine role, like, "Oh, I'm just a weak female. Oh, the strong man, protect me." You know, like it's like somehow he plays he plays it both ways, and I just adore it. It's so perfect. He does the same thing in the laboratory scene when we get the reveal of what's going on up top, and. He's kind of got like a feminine outfit on, but it's also like masculine scientist. 
He's got a mm-hmm. Frankenstein sort of vibe going on mm-hmm. with these dishwashing gloves he's about to put on. And he's like, I don't just his outfit. I loved his outfit sort of in that moment. He's got these yeah. pearls, which he kept from the outfit before. Yeah. Then he's got like this like little check, like uh, uh what is it? A triangle or something like that. Yeah. Um, do you, I, mean, I, I have trivia about that. If yeah. you guys yeah. want to hear. So the try the pink triangle. Um, ugh, this It's like unsavory. But back during like the Nazi days, um, they would put pink triangles on Jewish prisoners who were gay men. Oh okay. my God. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but then later, like in the 70s, it became like a symbol of gay pride. So, so they took it back. Taking that, like reappropriating it, I guess, like uh-huh. or redefining okay. it. Okay. Um, but still, it's like, oh, that's kind of an ouch. This, this movie's odd, too. Oh, God. Of, like, mm. This movie's on the cusp of, like, the gay rights movement, too, in the 70s, really, mm-hmm. because the pride flag was created in, like, 1978, I believe, I was looking up, mm. um, like, officially. Um, but I think the rainbow might have been used, because there's moments where the when the creation is made. Yeah, you see it, you see it the, in the yeah, All the different colors he's yeah. putting in there, they become, like, a rainbow. I don't know if that's meant to be, like, uh, because it's... I'm not sure it's, either. Actually, it's taking place before the creation of the uh, pride flag. But it, I was getting those vibes where, like, he's creating, like, the perfect gay man, in a sense, for him. You know, like you said, he's meant for sex, but he's the perfect man also. And then we see that, like, he does go with women as well. Like, he has his own will at some point. The creation, you know, he, he dips in and out of, like, what he, you know, he starts to, you know, get his own sentience. Yeah, he some- dips in and out. That's what he does. Yeah, of Janet. That's, that's <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and Rob. Couldn't, couldn't help it's, myself. I don't know. It's like a movie about awakenings, and there's a lot of themes at play. Definitely. Hmm. Uh, I did want to throw in here since we're talking about the whole look and like sort of styling of Frankenfurter. You guys will be shocked to hear this. Seriously, I'm not being sarcastic. Um, Joey watched the whole thing with me last night willingly. He actually likes it. He's seen it many times before. He's been to midnight showings of it, which like seems out of character for him, but I'll take but he's it. He's a film he... guy. I feel like this is yeah. still one. Um, it's not it's not the typical thing I would expect him to like, but he actually does. And he watched it with me last night. And he actually gave me some insight about like kind of kind of the aesthetic of the whole thing that I was not previously aware of. So like his musical preferences tend to come from like the 80s. Um and like new wave type stuff, but also some mm-hmm. like glam rock and and some things that had their roots in the 70s. So he actually knows a lot about kind of like these kind of different musical um, subgenres that were developing during the 70s and 80s. And so he's like, oh, this is totally like a, a takeoff of some of the glam music that was happening at the time. And he's, um, he's like, was Frankenfurter's look taken from Lou Reed? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. He's like, I'm going to Google it. So he, he Googles it. And there's actually, there are images of Lou Reed. In, and I don't, like the 70s and 80s are not like, I, I'm not well acquainted with some of those like kind of underground musical things that happened. Um, I'm not that cool. But we found images of Lou Reed looking almost identical to Frankenfurter wow. in preceding years before this role really? was ever created. Um, yeah. Or like his hair and makeup, it oh, looks just yeah. like it. And something it's so, something called like Death Panda. Hold on, what is it called? I wrote notes about this. His mascara is interesting too, the way it drips yeah, Death down. Pa- Lou Reed's Sorry. Death Panda. So like if you Google Lou Reed Death Panda, um, it looks almost exactly like Frankenstein. And so, <laughs> so then I Googled it and Richard O'Brien straight up said in an interview that 
um, Frank's look was taken from Lou Reed. So I was like, oh, well, there you go. So he like Joey was spot on with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, yeah, there was this whole like glam music thing oh, at wow, the time yeah. with Lou Reed, David Bowie, Iggy Pop, um, T-Rex and I et cetera. Think, I think there's definitely the some makeup, David Bowie. I think the makeup artist on this actually was the makeup artist for David Bowie at some point. You're 100 percent right. And sort of created the Ziggy Stardust look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can see some like links there, some kind of th- through lines um, and so he was absolutely spot on at the kind of like influences. Everybody's Googling right now. <laughs> yeah, we are. Oh, my yeah. God. Lou Did Reed looks Lou Reed exactly like I can, see it. I can see it. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it was really cool for me. In that too. Yeah. So it was really cool for me. Like, I've been watching this movie since 1996. So how many years is that? Like 27 years? Mm-hmm. I couldn't even approximate how many times I've watched this movie. And I just didn't know where that influence came from so that's that's really that was really cool to have his like personal insight because that's something he knows a lot about is like those kind of musical scenes um so yeah i just wanted to throw that in there oh and also there's oh if you go on youtube and search for um roxy music you guys know roxy music Mm -hmm. the band um roxy music top of the pops there was this like tv show i guess it was kind of like a music performance show and this band called Roxy Music, they performed a song on that TV show called Virginia Plain or Plains, no, Plain, Virginia Plain. And there's like a whole look to the members of the band that's very glammy and sort of androgynous. And Joey pointed out, he's like, this is absolutely, this has to be like a precursor to this whole aesthetic of this movie. So these must have been big influences on Richard O'Brien, I'm guessing, as he was creating this. And he even admitted as much when it came to Lou Reed. So just thought I'd mention that because that was something that even after all these years, I did not know at all. It's crazy because like 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 this movie came out in 75, but like Glam Rock came out in the early to uh 80s, you know. Like well, so not Glam Rock, poison. but like Glam Music. I know, but uh, I mean like Motley Crue or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poison. So. Yeah. So I have a question. Do you know like Richard O'Brien's career before this? Like is there anything else that leads to this that he was into? Like this movie's I don't know, left like a huge mark. Um and I don't know how popular it was when it first came out, like as far as like profit wise. But I mean, it's just it's it's like it's like a tour, you know, it just goes around the country. Yeah. And I remember the all these live events. I was young, a little too young. My brother, I remember being 10 years older than me in the 80s, going on a Friday night, telling my mom, I'm going to see Rocky Horror Picture Show. And her being a little bit like, I, I need you to be home before 12. Like, you know, that's I mean? not like, going to happen. Yeah, exactly. We know that <laughs> you can, like run late. And live, yeah. Like, interaction with the crowd, which is. Unfortunately, a lot of us maybe didn't get when we're viewing now. I wish I had a little bit of that too, you know. I think it's good to see the movie first before you go to like a live show of it. And when I say live show, I mean like a, a movie screening of it with like the film being projected on a screen, but with a shadow cast and audience participation. Um, but I will say, so like the, the movie films has... that was doing that. What is this like oh, one yeah. of the first films that really I think did it must that? Be. You know. I think it must be. Yeah, that was I like thought, yeah, I thought it. I thought it was one of the movies like the first cosplay ever. You know. Yeah. So I mean, I think there are kind of differing theories about mm. how exactly that started. I know that there's this guy named Sal Piero who, for decades, has been. I don't know if he still is, but for like several decades, he was the president of the Rocky Horror Fan Club, like the official fan club, True. and he claims that he like when the movie kind of flopped in its initial run in the box office, but then kind of started getting shown 
as like a late night screening in like Greenwich Village and places like that, that mm-hmm. he was the one who kind of started these like callback lines that eventually kind of took hold and became like a tradition among regular attendees of, of the film. I don't know how true that is. Um, he sounds like he might have a little bit of an ego on him, but um, you know, I'm sure to some extent there's there might be some truth to that. Right. And I will also say that the movie has been continuously screened since it opened in 1975 because of these midnight screenings. So it's like one of, if not the longest running film in theaters ever. Sure. But it's like one of the first cosplays because everybody yeah, come dressed up as their favorite character, like Riff Raff or Magenta or Frankenfurter, right? Yeah. So I mean, like if you go to a, a a live show, like I said before, like a real screening, but with a shadow cast with, you know, mm-hmm. actors portraying the characters and then also audience participation, like it's kind of it's just like a free for all. Like really anything goes. You can literally wear whatever you want. Meg and I have done that. Oh, Meg. <laughs> I have photos of that, too. I, I, I'm curious. What have you dressed up as, Meg? Um, At those, I think I've only dressed up as magenta. But in my life. I've dressed up as Riff Raff, Magenta, and Columbia, and just like a Transylvanian. Which form? I was going to say slut. <laughs> like magenta, magenta, I feel like changes her. Uh, like the characters change yeah. a little bit. Yeah, so, classic yeah. maid. I yeah. go with the classic maid. The maid's cool. I do love the Bride of Frankenstein look of hers, though, when she shows up. End. Same. Formed. Okay. It's fabulous. But yeah, like anything goes. Like you don't even have to dress up like one of the characters. You can just go like in lingerie and look like real slutty. Like I'm sorry, yeah. slutte. Like how, yeah, slutte. slutte. That's how it's pronounced. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little bougie. A little but it's bougie. like really anything goes. And I mean, it's such an experience. Um, it's very sexually charged to go mm. to a you know to a shadow cast <laughs> screening. They like to pick out the virgins or those who have never gone before. So I just you know. If I get some kind of terminal illness, I feel like my dying wish might be to take you guys to, <laughs> to a screening Let's of Rocky go. Horror as virgins. I, I, I'm down. I'm so down. But Jacqueline, <laughs> your hair is like like throwed way up right oh. now. Well, I'm trying to channel there. Frank. No, it's called okay. volume, John. And most volume. people want oh, that. Body. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Because she's a sweet transvestite from transsexual. <laughs> Transylvania. Is that your mm. Frankenfurter? It is. That's Let's it. put that on the Sorry. soundtrack. Speaking y'all. of singing, no. I, I enjoyed Meatloaf uh, when he shows up. So good. Fuck Meatloaf. Oh, he was terrible. I thought he was fun. Oh. I, I liked his character. John, I don't e- I. I don't even know if I can look at you right now. John, I think Yeah, I don't and know I, if I, I do. Talk right I, I know that like there were no, there were no. All right, cut me off. Yeah, there were no discrepancies with like the fact that whether he sang or not, I knew it was him singing. Like that was cool to know that that was him doing his role. I thought he killed it. John, what? Okay, just explain yourself. He's awful. Um, (laughs) God bless Meatloaf, but um, no, he sucked. John, I'm sorry, I got to kick you out of the show. Like a bad. Bye, bye. Okay, you can't make a claim like that without backing it up with some kind of explanation like you can't just say he sucked like what could you possibly be talking about he's in the movie for like five minutes okay and yeah it was a young meatloaf does that mean he sucks like there are no well, small meatloaf roles, gets John. old after a while and it gets moldy and you don't want meatloaf after so that. then you should be glad that he's only in it for five minutes yeah, what's the problem I, I still like the moments that he's there i'm feeling really aggro right now <laughs> let's focus on the positive meatloaf comments and less on the negative i, I enjoyed okay. the song um i was a little 
I was kind of trying to figure out what he was in the in the film. Was he seemed like a failed experiment of Frankenfooters? Like he, he was, was put on ice and he busted through the ice at that moment and like came back out. He was like a delivery boy. Remember, he was um, Dr. Scott's nephew. Why did he bust through the so, fucking ice? He, I guess he like the way I've always thought of it is like he was frozen in the freezer. Like Frank yeah. tried to freeze him and to he death, but he like, but he like somehow reanimated himself yeah, yeah. was like i gotta get out of here there's <laughs> nothing worse than really heated meatloaf it was terrible <laughs> yeah it's 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 yeah it, you're right john it is like <laughs> okay and, that was funny and rubbery she said but i thought when he shows up like i did like him driving around on the fucking motorcycle like up the stairs and shit like that like i thought that looked cool so you can tell it he, him but it looked he cool. looks he looks hot as fuck that song is a banger. He's riding a motorcycle. <laughs> oh my I, God. Like, what? like, I just no, don't. No, it's not. No, yes, it's not. It, is. it absolutely it is awful. a banger. I'm going to agree with Jack. I got to agree with Jack. No, I, thank no, you. No, that was awful. Meg. Meg. Oh, she left. Meg needs to settle this. to come into your yeah. camera for a moment and so, go after um, I'll be controversial for a minute because I will say if I were to, like, pick, like, a bottom three songs in this okay. movie. I think this would probably fall into that. Um, just because I think the way it's written and composed is not like, I don't know. It's super weird. It's like typical meatloaf. Super impressive. It's in my and top I'm, three, personally. Is it really? Really? It's in my top three. Wow. Yeah. The way Frankenfurter kills him was fantastic. It was yeah. just like, that's how happened. John changed the subject. That was, no, that was really cool. Well, that's part of the scene where he's there. Like, I do like the way the scene ends, but. Yeah. I, I, it's like, pretty I was, gruesome. He felt to it me was. like an experiment. This was what Frankenfoot had put out before he perfected his uh, formula to create. Like this, this looks like he tried to reanimate a dead person instead of creating a brand new person. What he ends up. This was the Frankenstein version that you had. I mean, that was Frankenstein. He was just like, Ugh. yeah, he was sort of like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. So he's like, like a re- he's a real person. Version of it. He is. He's a real yeah. person. But then I think Frank was trying to like. Um, I don't know, make him into his little like sex toy person. But wasn't then, the whole point is though, that he took half his half his, took brain, half his out. brain for Rocky. Yeah. But yeah. I think all, that may have been punishment because Eddie kind of got with Columbia. And yeah. so there's like a, a love like quadrangle a here. Yeah. yeah so nice. Remember Columbia has like a whole solo about how how she loved him and like you know, they're like a melange. Uh, of- yeah, she loved his meatloaf. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. He said it was girthy. <laughs> and moist. Yeah. That's important with meatloaf. It has to be moist. It can get Otherwise, dry. You need you need the uh, you need moisture. With ketchup. No. It, I think from a vegetarian, that's disgusting on so many levels. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm, 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 Meg, we are so sorry. Really it had cauliflower, broccoli. This is why she doesn't eat meatloaf. Rice. <laughs> Cauliflower, broccoli, and rice. That's yep. That's what vegetarians. Those are the options. That's it. <laughs> uh, so at the, during this moment too, uh, the doctor ends up killing Meatloaf, right? Yeah. His character Janet sings along here, and uh, Brad stares at her. He doesn't like quite approve at this moment because yes. she's sort of giving in to the environment. Yep. She's, she's intrigued. She's not. Scared. And I, she I think it's so funny because at the, be- the beginning, well, yeah, because at the beginning she's the one who's like, "I want to leave. I'm just." Like yep. scared and brad's like it's all right janet i'll protect but then like not too long later film. she's really like into what's going on she's like oh i want to know more what's going oh i'm a muscle yeah. fan kind of enjoying herself and brad's like Humph. she's enticed can we just real quick for a second talk about 
My man Brad, I don't know if he put something in his underwear or what, but dude was, he's packing Packing. something. There's something there. I'm just saying. Some twigs and berries were hanging pretty low, and I noticed. Berry muffin, I get it. Yeah, I was like, damn, bro. I like that he's like sort of subdued, uh, but, you know, like kind of hunky too at the same time. I get it. Like, but, you know, he's got glasses on and his hair is part a certain way, so it just instantly makes him look nerdy. But yeah, but he's got something going on. He's got something going on. He's old school, you know, in his ways, you know, that's how they're portrayed as a couple. Mm-hmm. I think I lo- that's part of the reason I love this movie is every character is their own sort of sexual, their own, mm-hmm. their own version of it, right? Everyone's hot. Even Dr. Scott. Even Dr. Scott. What a baby. Yeah, what he's got, yeah. <laughs> the very end, he's still got the stopping. He's living his life for the thrills. Dude, I love the Dr. Scott moment where he puts on that super magnet like three times. And it just attracts Dr. Scott from wherever he is on the grounds. From the Zen room. He'll zoom around where he's just like, like around every corner. He's not hitting. How did that go again? I don't know if you guys have ever seen Benny Hill, but he comes flying through the wall. Yeah. And Brad goes, great, Scott. There's a fun fact about that. Do you know that fun fact, Jackie? That the laboratory set was built with no doors. So they were all like, how are we going to get Dr. Scott into the laboratory? So they devised this mechanism to have him just crash through the wall. <laughs> they had hilarious. no other option. There was no entrance. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Amazing. Pretty fun. Amazing. And he's just covered in like soot and dust. And and he's just like, here I am. You know? <laughs> and they're like, Scott, you? And he's Dr. like, yeah, Scott. Brad, Janet. <laughs> oh, uh, Lord. Yeah, he has some good lines. When um, I think Janet says, like, my feet, I can't move my feet. And he's like, my wheels. My God, I can't move my wheels. Yeah. <laughs> that's another he's... thing that's so great about this movie is everyone has a different accent and there's no rhyme or reason for it. It just is. Yep. Yeah. And I kind of love this conversation because I really expected Hyderberg and John to be like, Jackie, Megan, why is this the way it is? But you all are just accepting it. They just accept it. Yeah, you no. cannot ask why with exactly. anything. You exactly. cannot ask why I mean, because there the is no answer. Place in sort of like a dream state. It's there's there's there are moments in this movie where I do question: it, Did this really happen or not? Um, like just in, in for example, does Janet hook up with Doctor Frankenfutter? Does yes. Brad hook up with Doctor Frankenfutter? Yes. I, I think so, but it's also played as like they're sharing the same dream just to make them think like just to, you know, make them question who they are, really. Mm. You know, like, oh, you hooked up with me. I feel like he has the power to like invade their dreams almost. You know what I mean? He's, uh, like, they're oh, fucking. They're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting idea, Hydroberg, like but no, that's, they all got it but, on. Uh, but then I'm I'm wondering if Janet fucks him, then it takes away a little bit from Janet hooking up with Rocky. Like, no, it doesn't. I don't think it does. I think it's like as she says, she's like, I've... something with Rocky instead. I thought I just felt like that might have been a little bit more impactful that she still did something outside of her comfort zone, like she gave in to her, you know, her wants. But well, so I think the key thing is that she was she ga- she allowed herself to be seduced by Frank, and she gave in to that, mm-hmm. and then that awakened something in her. She's like, oh, now I want more. True. And so but they make kind of look like Brad did do the doctor she didn't do the doctor but then she ends up doing rocky i wasn't positive oh no she no she did both <laughs> so you guys should know that like one of the most common callbacks during the audience participation is anytime brad's anytime somebody says brad or brad majors everybody yells asshole and every time janet 
his name is spoken, everybody yells slut. And so that's just <laughs> a thing. Oh, really? It's just a See, thing. See, I don't it's know just... any of these things. That's <laughs> why you're going to come with me when I'm on my deathbed. We're going to go to Rocky Horror. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be my last wish and you have to do it <laughs> okay oh boy oh so I yeah like i mean i was probably the night thing when they're having sex you are the, uh, it's like the chanting of the creature of the night like the oh, song yeah. yeah creature of the night i, I love that scene because i think the way it's shot with like the sheer curtain yeah. allows mm. for the kind of tone of the movie to continue because that could be like super salacious and over that's what made me think it was a dream the way it's seen through like a fog like the curtains you know what i mean and it's like almost like they're they're both in bed separately and dreaming at the same time that frankenfooter is invading them in yeah dream. but then you see like later when janet's looking on the screen you see brad like smoking the cigarette mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, like security camera yeah it happened as much Which, as you that's know, why it made me think happened. like oh she was so mad about it like made me think that Excuse me, which made me think that she didn't go through with it. And he did. And she was mad about that. So then to get revenge, she's like, fuck it. I'm going to fuck Rocky instead. I mean, I think that might have been part of her decision to fuck Rocky. But like, she definitely fucked Frank, too. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah. d- even though she did that, I think she's still hurt that Brad did it, too. She was horny. I mean, again. I, it, oh, like, they were, yeah. She was how, for marriage. How hilarious are those scenes, though? And he's like, you, I'm afraid so, Brad. <laughs> but isn't it nice? And then he's like, "What have you done with Janet? Oh, nothing. Do Why? Do you think I should?" Like, <laughs> and then he repeats it with both of them. It's just so hilarious. But you tricked me. I thought this was something else. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's but something. You're obviously, giving in to <laughs> your your yeah. hidden wants. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Qu- it's like pretty like suggestive too. I mean, at the end of Frank's line, like his mouth is clearly full. Oh yeah. boy! Yeah. It oh is. boy! He's like, you promise you won't tell her? And he's like, on my mother's (laughs) gruel. I mean, that's pretty, for the 70s, uh, it's like pretty explicit. Oh, I I bet, yeah. It was, yeah. Did you enjoy my my impersonation? You couldn't just, like nowadays we can just say what the thing is. Back then you had to work around it in a convenient way with writing and same thing with song lyrics. You know, you couldn't talk about explicit stuff, but you could infer about it through metaphors mm-hmm. and stuff like that so sure uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this film does a good way of like showing us enough it's rated r right so it's yeah oh, yeah because you know, it's got a nipple and a couple nipples and some couple languages isn't that horrible but there's, there's suggest- a lot of nipples if you count the male nipples that's yeah yeah, yeah they're not Plus, sex- a plethora of nipples the way mm-hmm. women's are a I melange guess. of nipples a melange. a melange of nipples that is yeah. a nice melange there John, <laughs> that you put together. um <laughs> I thought oh, the also, dinner I loved, scene. before the dinner scene, I do want to touch on the dinner scene. I just love that one moment, though, when the doctor comes in after Janet's had sex with Rocky and everybody catches each other in the act. And there's mm-hmm. that moment. Janet. Dr. Scott. Janet. Brad. Scott, Brad. Rocky. <laughs> oh, would you like me to reenact the whole thing for you? Please. Janet. Dr. Scott. Janet. Brad. Rocky. Ugh. Rocky. <laughs> Repeat times two. Janet. Also, Scott. can we talk about this? Might be in your trivia, Jackie. So sorry okay. if I'm stepping on your toes. I don't but, care. I, no, I'm, uh, I welcome people stepping on the trivia. <laughs> there's if it's, so much if it's organic, stick movie. it in there. Yeah. So Rocky, I love, I love the fact that the actor who, well, he wasn't an actor. The man who played Rocky was a model. 
Um, and I, I've listened to the um, commentary on one of the DVD versions of this. And um, Richard O'Brien talks about how it was very hard at that time to find actors who had bodies that looked like that, right? It just wasn't kind of the physical physique of the time. So they had to find a model to play that role which is partially why he doesn't really talk. But I also <laughs> love that, I, I don't know, I love his portrayal. It's very clear he's not an actor, I think, from my perspective within the movie. But I also feel like he does such a good job. That, that you know, Rocky, it's such a sad kind of tragic character. And I think he does such a great job portraying that. I agree. I think it works for his character because he's like a newborn. Yeah, basically. Yeah, the fact that he doesn't yeah. talk a lot works fine for me. Mm. Yeah. Same. Like, I got it. I'm like, I don't get him. I, he's not going to talk. He's learning right now from everything. Yeah. Like, he's totally innocent to the world and like, is. Is, like only knows what he's bred for one thing. You know what I mean? That this, you know, sort of uh, which you know, that has a its, weird thing. its own kind of father is the creator. It's, it's problematic. There's some ancestral but... here. The, the relationship between um, yeah. Riff Raff and Magenta. Elbow sex. They're, yeah, Elbow they're sex. Sister, but they definitely have some. What do you guys say? Elbow sex. Oh, they <laughs> during the. That's what they do with each other. Yeah, yeah. There is a little rubbing many times. The... Okay, there's quite a bit actually. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you could get into some like problematic stuff with like, well, if Rocky is like basically an infant, then like, uh, that's like kind of icky that he's being that's bred for sure sex because he doesn't mm-hmm. understand like anything about the world. But yeah, I don't know if we need to like delve into that. He is no. being taken advantage of by Doctor Frankenfutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I kind of thought was interesting that I hadn't really thought about before is like, you know, I picked this movie. It's not exactly a horror movie. Um, it has some horror like elements in tribute to like classic horror to it, but it's also like comedic. It's a musical. It has some sci-fi elements to it. So it's not just horror, but it often gets kind of like grouped in with horror if only like for its title. Um, but, the, you know, there are horror movie elements like the the kind of tropes and imagery that we're familiar with. And there is like quite a bit of murder. You know, there's there's some murder. But I think that like the way it plays out, because, again, last night I was really trying to watch it with fresh eyes, you know, which is so hard to do. And I, you know, wasn't fully able to do that um, a lot of the time. But one thing I realized is like the way the movie is getting set up, it almost kind of suggests that like something terrible is going to happen to brad and janet like the way it's being narrated by the criminologist Mm -hmm. and you see these like police sheets and it's like uh, you know what what are they going to experience you know and you're like oh what like if i were watching this for the first time i'd be like oh my god like something's gonna endanger their lives or even end their lives you know like some horrible violent thing is gonna happen to them and there is murder in the movie but really there's never any actual like danger or threat or violence against brad and janet and they're kind of you know set up as our protagonists like the people that you're kind of following into this world of madness i think Um, that's so interesting jacqueline because as a as a character as a human being they survive the movie but mm -hmm. they their personalities do not stay intact through the end they change they are changed right you can see a change in them physically too from That's the point of view true. of like mainstream society, I yeah. feel like their characters come to a tragic end. However, yeah, so they've had like a downfall. Yeah. yeah, they've had a downfall. But it's almost so it so that kind of leads me to the next point I was gonna make, which is that 
it's almost like sex is kind of a stand-in or a metaphor for violence what as it relates to Brad and Janet because that's really the main thing they experience there that's like the main thing that like befalls them is like new sexual experiences but there's no like violence against them frank doesn't do anything to them right Jack, except for sexual bush, things and so, as what? bush once said there's no sex in your violence <laughs> <laughs> but so it's but it's like in the in the song after um janet has had sex with frank and mm-hmm. she sings touch a touch a touch me with rocky there's a line where she says i've tasted blood and i want more Mm-hmm. Which I've always thought was a really interesting line because it sort of suggests that she has like killed someone or like has experienced some kind of violence or whatever, but that's not the case. And no. so it's like I've I always took that as an interesting line because what she's really experienced is sex. I took it and more s- as a feral sexual sort of desire. Yeah, she tasted the no, she's had a taste now and she well, yeah. It. And so I just that's... feel like you know, this this movie kind of functions like a horror movie in a lot of ways, and it's set up to make us think that our protagonists are going to endure some kind of horror that, you know, hopefully they'll survive by the end. And they do survive. But like Megan said, it's it's like um, you know, depending on your point of view, like some kind of puritanical sorts might say they've had like a, a downfall of their moral characters. Others might consider it like a liberation of their characters. But sure. um, but e- but either way, it's like it's really a sexual awakening. So I just I just kind of was thinking about that last night. It's like, oh, it's it's weird that like it kind of plays this way, but nothing dangerous really ever happens to them. Go ahead, Megan. Oh, first, like the danger is there. So, like, Megan, you wanted to talk about the dinner scene. I thought that was cool because they reveal that they're eating Eddie at that point. <laughs> yeah, and that, I thought that was fucking nefarious. That was very Texas. <laughs> that talk. was fucking nefarious. <laughs> he, when he pulls the, the tablecloth and just pulls it off and you see, like, this weird... It was a really cool image, too, of, like, a glass I, table. I know Megan brought that up, but yeah. that happens in 31, too. Yeah. Yeah, but it was so, several years later, you know. Yeah. yeah it's a couple know. years Obviously... Later. An homage. Yeah, the, the, the actors in that scene didn't know that was going to happen either. So all their reactions were really genuine in that moment with that really? reveal. They didn't know. Yeah, and it, was eating it was the a meat cool reveal. Yeah, it was very cool. That's right. I think I, there's, um, I love something about this scene because I think so much of this movie um, can be read as kind of nonsensical and, you know, there's not really a, a strong explanation as to why certain things happen. But the detail in this scene, I think, is really interesting. Um, as someone like Jacqueline, who has watched this movie many, 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 many times, um, the table is set very haphazardly. There's weird silverware. There's jam jars. It's just kind of a mess. There's uh, celery in a glass, just like sticking. Yeah, just in case you want some table, celery really on really the side. That, it's so odd. <laughs> it, was, it was intentional, actually. I don't remember who came up with the idea, but the thought was that these um, characters are aliens, so they don't understand how to set a yeah. table. So okay. the intention was to create a table that does not look like anything a human person. <laughs> That's perfect. That makes total sense. Yeah, takes the meat fun. and like throws a slab of meat on everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Plop. No sides. And the wine, pouring the wine or yeah. whatever it was. I don't know. Instead of just spilling it all over the place. Okay, but is it just me or did that turkey look really delicious? It did. It did. Was it a turkey or a rump? I couldn't tell. Oh, it I don't know. Like no legs. Well, it it looked like some kind of bird to me. Yeah. When he cut yeah. into it, it looked like white meat. So I was thinking turkey. Yeah. Poultry geist? Yeah. Nice. Ah, 
No. That could have been a haunted. Yeah, that could have been a haunted. A haunted chicken. (laughs) Yeah. But I do like the reveal of like the corpse underneath in the glass. And you see like part of its body is missing, not all of it. Like we haven't cooked it all yet. But um, I thought that was interesting. You know, even if it's great, even if they hadn't done that, just the idea Mm -hmm. of like the fact that they might be eating Eddie was funny enough. And then they reveal it. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, Rob Zombie totally took from this movie. I mean, yeah, definitely. He clearly loves this movie. Yeah, Yeah, Um, Meg, just having mentioned the dinner scene, I'll I'll take that as an opportunity to mention that I love I absolutely like seriously. One of my favorite things about this movie is the the sets and the set decoration um like yeah. the the gothic setting but with very strange props and decor um inside like you you start with the bones of this like gothic mansion which i already loved like dark wood and like deep colored like rugs and like it's not a light bright looking space it's very kind of deep and dark and that's very appealing to me um but then on top of that, like just the the lighting is really dim. Like at the dinner scene, you can't really see beyond anybody's chairs. No, it's very dark in the background, um, and the lighting really is kind of very focused. And so, like the set dressing with the table there, the the very dim lighting where you can't see beyond anybody. Um, I love Columbia's bedroom with like the weird shit. Like she has some kind of weird spacey looking television. It's like it's just so bizarre. Like, who did the set dressing? But I love it. And the costumes, I feel very similarly about. They're just absolutely brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Completely. And like, why is there a Zen room? Like, that's just, <laughs> I don't why know. Not? It's great. He's going to be in the Zen room. Like, how do you know that? He's yeah. going to be. In the he Zen must room. be in the Zen room. Zen room. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask. Hold on. Uh, Butters, how do you feel about this movie? He's giving two thumbs way up. Oh, follow with me for she... a moment. Yeah. Follow with me in a world where Rob Zombie remakes this film and Sherry Moon plays the transvestite no. as a role. Hold reverse. on, hold on. Okay. I, Rob, Zombie, Rob Zombie would kill this movie. Hydrobert. Rob Zombie would actually make this movie really good. I want to hear Rob Zombie's covers of the entire soundtrack. That's yeah. what I want. In life. Get out really? of here. We gotta stop. We're putting things into the universe that I want so bad, and we're probably never, we gonna, to, never gonna happen. Come on. Yeah. If Come they on. do, we can accredit a cut above for having, you know, had a <laughs> copyright this idea right now. Rob Zombie remakes and Shaggy Picture Show. I mean, can you imagine Rob Zombie's cover of Sweet Transvestite? I mean, oh yes, my please. god, yes, please. <laughs> oh my god, I actually I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. That's like the be, best idea we've ever had. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of down with that. I know. Big time. So you mentioned the aesthetic. You mentioned the horror aesthetic. I like the sci-fi stuff, too. I like, I like his laboratory. Mm-hmm. I like the simple, like, just the pipes on the wall with, like, wheels and stuff and levers. It's so simple. It's so cheesy. Mm-hmm. But it works aesthetically for this film so well. The little bit of steam coming out and, like, Igor, like, oh, I'm going to fucking... I'm using the wheel it's and we're gonna get it right. Remember, yeah. Sorry, Igor. Uh yeah, the riffraff. Um, but I love later too, there's like it comes into play too with the the ray or whatever that he's using to mm-hmm. turn people into Medusa, like into stone. Yeah. And he turns everybody into stone. And oh, they're not just stone, but they're naked now. <laughs> yeah. We get like a young like Susan Sarandon naked all of a sudden. And then we get Brad naked. 
And I was like, oh, damn. He was packing. Yeah. Oh, and it made me wonder that those, if those other Thank you. In the back were even, maybe they were people that he had turned to stone at one point, but they were pretty large, though. They were larger. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think of the floor show scene when he reanimates them all? Can we talk about Barry's flexibility? Yes. That was awesome. Like the way the, the way like he kicks his leg up like uh, Yeah, Brad. John's yeah. trying to do it. John hasn't been yeah. to yoga no, in a while. No, I haven't. Oh uh, yeah, there's there's I saw a poster of that too with Curry with his leg like right next to his head. I bet Steven could do that since he does Pilates. Oh <laughs> we should get him on the show soon. Yeah, and ask him if he can do that little move. Steven? <laughs> Can you do that? Are you a sweet transvestite? Can you put your leg up by your ear? (laughs) (laughs) I love this scene. I think this, we talked about this at the beginning. This is where Janet's character comes, you know, sort of full circle. Uh, She, she, she takes her power in the scene. We see her fully transformed. And this is where we kind of see Brad, um, especially with his like kind of shaky leg. That's the moment Mm -hmm. for me where you kind of see his like masculinity is fragile. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I love the details um, for those two characters in particular. It's great. Yeah, that's why this movie is so important. I mean, it was just like it, it was a oh, man. It, it's all about being your true self, and I yeah, think a lot of people, it was. especially in the queer community, <clears throat> time didn't yeah. have that sort of representation in cinema. And so you're right, John. It, it was super and continues to be super important not just in the 70s but today too agree yeah Yeah. i mean i think like you know there's so many movies that you know that are made nowadays that are you know allowing of that and it's become you know much more accepted and yet somehow i still feel like watching rocky horror is like an important event in the lives of like young queer people yeah, uh, where it's like it's almost like an awakening for them, not necessarily their sexuality, although maybe that too, but an an awakening in terms of like awareness that you're not alone, yeah. or that like it's okay to be yourself, or yeah, right don't ahead. dream it, be it. You know, like like yeah. Megan said, like it's about being your true self. Yeah, and so um, you know, just like that mantra of like don't dream it, be it, like that, like that stuck with me a lot, like from the early days of me watching this movie. Well, Tim yeah. Curry, like I said, Tim Curry is a beautiful man. But the the way he portrayed that, it was just like very feminine, but very masculine. Androgynous, you know, there was that. It really was. And it was just like, God, he he is a beautiful man. (laughs) And again, a a straight guy right here going, yeah, that was beautiful. Oh, my God, that was awesome. That's a good quality of yours, though, John, that you're able to, to do that. Yeah, but I mean, the thing was, it was just, like what he portrayed it was like. Is Richard O'Brien um, gay? Is I don't he? know what his sexuality is. Uh, yeah. Meg? I think. I'm curious at how in touch he is, even if he's not. Like you know. Yeah, I don't. Being. I don't think he's gay. I think um, at the time he made this, he may have been married to a woman. Um, yes, he was because she's one of the trans of, Transylvanians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're right. I forgot. Um, Oh yeah, that's right. How he identifies has sort of been fluid over time. Uh, Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just like such a monumental film. It's interesting if he wasn't even gay. Just the Mm -hmm. the fact that he was like we've talked on films where there there's a man who somehow just was in tune with a female perspective. That yes, we're like, how is that even possible? Like, but you know, sometimes. Uh, By the way, this guy is eighty-one years old. He's eighty-one now. He is. Yeah. Oh so he um 
he had like a, a game show in the early 90s i don't know i don't remember this show maybe you guys do like crystal kingdom or something yeah it's an english show okay oh, all right so he he hosted that i guess and then i don't know if anybody saw the critically acclaimed film spice world but he did have a brief cameo in spice world with the spice girls mm-hmm. oh god <laughs> if you want to be my lover john you gotta have sex with my friend well, that's, that's I'm not going to do that, but if your friend well, wants to have friend? sex with that friend, that's fine. Uh, my friend just happens to be a sweet Transylvanian. Oh <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Hi, Jibber, that was so, uh, like, that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. So that's the mark right. that this movie's left on on your boy. You've been forever changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have I you feel. had an awakening, Hyderberg? I did. There was a transformation from Transylvania. Hyderberg's the new Janet. Oh, he is. Oh, my I'll God. I think that is a compliment because Susan yeah, you looks Hey, Butters. Butters, Next. what do you think about Hydrobert? <laughs> yeah. I'm a dog, dude. I got some doggy <laughs> treats coming your way, Butters. Oh, <laughs> so cute. Butters. He looks excited. Oh my God. He does. <laughs> He's so Butters, happy. Um, who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? There was a musical beat towards the end that kind of lost me where I kind of okay. got it. I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of the later ones before the reveal. Mm-hmm. I sort of just like I got a little tuned out. I was like, all right, like not every before which is- reveal uh, the reveal of like that Riff Raff and Magenta are also they're aliens. And oh, like, OK, got it. That, was- that they might be aliens, but you're sort of like, well, as I a viewer, I'm, sort of like, love- they- I'm getting like Dr. Frankenstein undead sort of macabre right. vibes. And now right. you're giving but- me aliens. Heisberg, I love that scene of like where they were doing the dance. And it was just like like Frankenfurter was just like. You know, I just want to be myself, and they're they're gonna kill him. And it, yeah. oh my god, that was, oof, that was a good scene. It's interesting the reveal, and it's also like, I mean, Frankenfurter's kind of a prick, but like you feel bad for him at the end there, right? You do, like, you totally do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's like, yeah. but he's not a total dickhead at the same time. Like, but he's all about his own pleasure, and Ours you know, it. like that's why he creates a creature just to service himself, like. Obviously, like that's pretty narcissistic, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because that creature kind of helps Janet and Brad through their transformation, especially Janet. Mm-hmm. I, and then, like, as from meeting these people, they're never the same. Obviously, that's the point we get at the end. Well, he fucks Janet. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, but he fucks Brad too. Like Brad's yeah. different at the end. Also. No, I'm I'm talking about the the monster. Yeah, yeah, he the fucks monster, Janet. Yeah. 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 yeah, he didn't fuck Brad. No, does he? But that was the only woman. So. He was bred almost. It seemed to f- want to be into Tim Curry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And right. that, that he made a decision, and he he chose what's her name too to have sex. It was like showing that he had some, you know, like Frankenstein's monster. He had some willpower beyond mm-hmm. his, uh, you know, his uh, lizard his, brain. <laughs> his lizard brain, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He was a hot dude, though. I wanted to see him lift more of those peppermint fucking uh, weights. <laughs> <laughs> peppermint weights. They do. They, like peppermint, they right? do. I want to see the horse. Candy. Like him <laughs> the doing the, horse. Like the horse. Like, like he was like really around, grinding like, his dude, groin on that pommel. He was in really good was. shape. I will oh, say that. God. He was in really good shape. Yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah. He was impervious to the death ray, too, which I thought was cool. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, it had like a little bit of that superhero element where like they shot him with the death ray and he it couldn't do anything to him really. Just deflected. He was just trying mm-hmm. to check so his strong. Computer. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, climbing the tower, I was getting real Kong vibes from yeah. him. 
Yeah. Well, that, I think that was an I think that was an RKO movie, if I'm not mistaken, the yeah. uh, 1930s King Kong, and I like that right zoom. there in that background, you have an RKO radio picture, yeah. which I love. And everybody that had just performed went like real still during that moment, and like the camera right. paint against them to the RKO. Yeah. Yeah. Very standing with it. I love the love that Richard O'Brien has for the movies and these old studios that made these old pictures, like even just calling them pictures. I love it. Um, you know, I think all of us have kind of an attachment to that kind of, um, you know, love for movies and especially in some cases, you know, some older things that are, you know, close to our hearts. And there's like a nostalgia that I think sometimes we like to indulge in. So I, for me, that that movie plays on that, too. No, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's why this movie can resonate with people regardless of like what you're into. I think that moment of like, I do acknowledge that like I pick up on, Oh, you know, he's a big fan of old movies. You could see it in the work, like his love of it. And that's what this is. This is an homage to it in a musical, you know, form. Um, And I dig that. I think he like, he shows that really well with his characters there. You know, there's elements of Dracula, like you said, Dr. Frankenstein, the Phantom of the Opera, Jack the Ripper, who knows? Like you could, pull a lot of things igor Mm -hmm. but um i think the themes i play overall like just like work so i think it's uh i think he's probably like ahead of his time it feels like he peaked with this though as far as his career i think that's true i think that's probably true it's like what i'm not judging him like like you peaked on the first try like i don't know success is a fickle you know a fickle thing it would just be amazing to see him have done other things of this nature you know just wait just wait for shock treatment hydroberg okay all right <laughs> that sounds more like the sequel to Rosemary's Baby. Like it's just like so. Bad. Is that Rocky Horror Picture Show two, two? electric boogaloo? No, it's not called that. It's kind of like a standalone thing. Like in spirit, it's a sequel, but it does not require having watched Rocky Horror before. That's, I mean, as weird as this movie is, Shock Treatment is like really so. It's it's weird. it's like it's like Thanks Killing Three. <laughs> really? Killing two and goes on Thanksgiving three, which is like about time travel and interspace dimensional. It's kind of yeah, I, that might be a good analog for it, but yeah. uh, it's just like I'm gonna pick that soon. No, don't again, please. Uh, yeah, Electric Boogaloo, uh, mm-hmm. whatever. Too. Anyway, so yeah, I I don't actually necessarily recommend shock treatment, but uh, you know, if you like something weird and you just kind of see what they did um, with some of these characters, then you know, yeah, I, I'm curious to what Megan thought about that one. Yeah, I completely echo Jacqueline's sentiments. It's uh it's like a fun watch if you've got nothing better nothing better to do. <laughs> but um yeah, it's not good. There's like, like one a song that's musical. catchy, I would say. It's not like they got music in it. It's a musical, yeah. I own John, the soundtrack on C D, believe it or not. Let's do it, John. Of course you do. <laughs> of course. So the aliens the alien thing, it's a little it feels tacked on to me. It's a little weird. I don't know. It's never developed too like like I I don't know. It's I guess it's just a blend of things that I never took the alien thing as like it always seemed like this was more of a dark thing, you know what I mean? Universal monsters sort of deal. Yeah. Yeah. And then like they add the aliens at the very end. It's like, but just these aliens just happen to be from a place called Transylvania. So they're like gothic aliens. Like that's fine. (laughs) I get it. Like, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Like the people that follow this sort of culture, they feel alien at times in in society. You know what I mean? They feel like outsiders. Uh, people that are into these kind of groups and stuff like this mm-hmm. of this nature. So I can see that being like speaking on their behalf too. I, I definitely the see your movie, point. 
Mm-hmm. I think the whole movie was just a big build up to that incredible special effects scene at the end where the mansion blasts off. Blast off. <laughs> I was I was I was like, wow, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. I do love the after effect of it all with like the super fog effect and the smoke and Janet and Brad sort of trying to find one another. They 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 don't actually they don't actually just find each other. They're kind of towards each other, but they're looking separately and they both look totally affected from their situation. Brad mm-hmm. looks different. Janet looks different. They have like that that shit on their arm. I don't know if it's just like part of their um, apparel or whatever, but like what they were wearing, their attire. But it's like it looks like it's part of their arm, like they've changed physically also a little bit. Mm. Yeah, they definitely uh, look like they've been through something with them. Yeah, but no, I just think that scene's pretty cool at the very end of just like, and then <laughs> the fact that Doctor Scott's still there too, like Lane. Yeah. I know, I know. Like, can we talk sure. for a minute about what an obsequious little like worm he is when he's like, "You're okay by me." Like, you, you did what <laughs> yeah. you had to do. And that's like the. I mean, it's the only thing that saves them, really. But still, yeah. it's like, ugh, get a spine. Yeah, I was getting elements too where there was going to be a reveal that like Doctor Scott had like worked with the Nazis or something. I thought there was going to be a reveal there for a moment about his background because there was something that I remember Tim Curry's. I can't remember exactly. He says, he Curry. says, or should I say, Doctor Von Scott? Yeah, and he's so like, I was and like, he's like how dare you? Yeah, yeah, I feel like he what was is, implying that for sure. Background. Yeah, yeah. Was he one of the Nazi doctors that got like got away and he came to the U.S. and <laughs> you know resituated? Or I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but I feel like that has always been like hinted at just a little bit. Um, and is, I think, definitely insinuated by Frank. So it was weird, too, though, that the, one of the things that, to me that was a little weird as far as a twist was like, do you, you, in, you, you give us the alien thing. Fine. The siblings are aliens. They're kind of pulling the strings. They're sort of like, hey, we're tired of following you. Like, we just want to go home. And you're like getting wrapped up in these weird experiments and stuff like we were kind of cool with. But at some point, like our objective is we want to go back home and back to mm-hmm. our transition. Um and then that they turn on him, but there was no semblance of that during the entire film. I felt like there was no real nod towards that turn, which kind of like made me confused. And then they turn on him. So I was sort of like, well, is he an alien also? So they're all aliens, but he just kind of got sidetracked with humanity or um, and his yeah. lust because they're, they're they are a species who enjoys pleasure. Um, so he just like, I don't know, he gravitated towards the pleasures of Earth, I guess. Maybe they wanted to go back home. There is I just the, wish there was a little bit more of that established there's a scene when earlier in the film when frankenfurter is like whipping riffraff so yeah. it does feel like you know they're super subordinate and at the end yeah. you know they're just over it he does say i just i follow my i follow the master or whatever i do whatever like he needs and yeah. that's sort of how he explains his existence is sort of like i just do what i'm told you know which is sort of speaking on rocky also rocky's bred to just do what he's told as well yeah, so to your point about the kind of tacked onness of the alien thing, I feel like it gives it gives them a reason to like turn on him. It get like beyond him being like kind of a taskmaster, um, but yeah. it gives them a reason to be like, you know, you're not doing what we want you to do and what we were supposed to be doing all along. It's like I, I agree with you that it feels like it's very separate from the rest of the story. Yeah. Um, and probably should have been blended in a little bit more, but um, it at least gives them like a reason. The doctor mentions there are things where we allude towards them being alien for a moment, but it's never really like truly, you know, delved into mm-hmm. as far as the storytelling goes, which is fine. Yeah. I don't know. It's not it's just a minor gripe, to be honest. But I mean, I, I feel like you can't really ex- you, you can't like there's only so much you can expect. with this movie. Like there's always so much they're that, aliens like, from Transylvania from 
They're yeah. transsexual. They're from Planet Transsexual. <laughs> yeah. I think he feels a great sense of satisfaction that he has like corrupted Brad and Janet and also yeah. created Rocky um and corrupted him too, like right off the bat. Like the success of the floor show and like how um all the other characters they're like fully in their like sexual selves now. And then Frank has the solo after that where he's singing about, you know, don't dream of it. I feel like that's like a culmination of its own for him. And then they're all like kissing underwater and stuff. I feel like that's like an ultimate success for him. It's like, yes, mm-hmm. I've made this happen. I've brought all of us together. And now I'm thinking it's... about it too, we do see that like the Riff Raff and Magenta, they they have this animosity towards, you know, the golden boy, <clears throat> the, the creation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once he's sleeping there in this like sex dungeon sort of like, or like bed. It looks it looks like he's tied up on all fours, you know, like he's been ravaged and he's just left there um, where where Poor Rocky. Yeah. And at that point, that's when um, Frankenfurter decides to go after the couple. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Done with Rocky. Um, but yeah, we see Magenta and like he's pouring like he pours Riff Raff pours the hot wax on his back for a moment. I was like, oh, this is sort of sexual, too. But it's not. It's more like torture. Yeah. Like he's just, like, I hate you. Like, yeah, like he's him. like, and they're like antagonizing him. They're trying to yeah. like torture him, yeah. um, and he's scared. He's like, Ooh. yeah, which is yeah. much like the Frankenstein monster, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Oh yeah, yeah. He's boyish. Yeah, John, what was your favorite song in the movie? <clears throat> Let's do the when time warp again. The only one he remembers. <laughs> yeah, I know that was my least favorite, and I feel bad that it is because I know it's the most popular. Our sweet um, trans. My West sweet transvestite was my favorite. Which okay. one? The one he has his reveal. Yeah. When Tim Curry does his fucking thing. Like, yeah. That was my favorite. That's always been my favorite. Too. Time Warp thing was a little like silly uh, with the people with the glasses. And like, I get it. But like, I don't know. Just like, I watched it. It was entertaining. But it was yeah. a little. I really liked the transvestite part, though. I thought that mm-hmm. part was like, that song was really good. And I thought Tim Curry, as far as singing goes, like, he was one of the best singers in the group. I agree. Yeah. So Time Warp. The lyrics don't really have much to do with much. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's speaking of tacked on though. That song was literally tacked on just to try to fill up space in the show, in like the stage really? show. Popular. Yeah, they were just. It was only like the show was only like forty minutes long, so they were trying to pad it out. Oh shit! And so that's why that song even exists. But it became like such a huge part of this. I know. It's mm-hmm. such an interactive mm-hmm. part that people can sing together as a group. Exactly. Yeah. And do the dance and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do like the bit of the, like, I like the way they establish it. I mm-hmm. like the criminologist doing the dance on his desk and showing you because he's a criminologist. So he's showing you step by step. Well, I've broken this down. I've done the research. Yeah. Here's how <laughs> you do the, the research dance. on the Take a step to the left. Here's what you do. Jump to the right. And then he gets involved. <laughs> and I'm just like, I kind of like how it escalates. I thought that was funny. But how do you feel about the pelvic thrusts? Well, that's the quintessential part you got to do the public <laughs> thrust like you have to meg That's what's your what favorite hurt. movie i don't even know this it, i mean what's your it, favorite song in the movie i didn't even it know. hurt over my pelvis over the frankenstein place yeah i do love touch and touch and touch me that's the one when they first get there to the castle yeah, when yeah. that is cool. I, I love the way that that scene is directed i thought it's really cool the way they kind of pan and they zoom into i said it already but they the way they zoom into what's his name singing through the window riffraff and then back out through the couple in the rain and i mm-hmm. like the practicality of the rain and like she's you know she's not soaking wet but she's getting wet and they've mm-hmm. been walking like i just like i don't know i just like the uh, the back and forth between brad and janet too i thought it was good i thought they were a cool couple 
even though they never like solidify a hundred percent because they go on their own journeys that like they, they still felt right together. Like I liked them better mm-hmm. than that first couple that we saw that got married. Ralph and Betty Hapshot. Yeah, it was like they were just, wow. they to, yeah. And I like that, you know, Brad and what's her name, Janet had like, you know, there was some more stuff going on in, in those people. They, they had more depth than those other two. And, you yeah. know, Brad wasn't sure if he wanted to marry her yet or like he was nervous about marrying her. He wanted to, but, and he yeah. does. And, you know, the, and she thought that was the one thing that she needed in her life if she had to get married to this guy, but she doesn't. You know, we realize that later. I wonder mm-hmm. what happens after the film. It makes me wonder the ambiguity. Interesting just to see, like, I don't know. We hear about them as if they were dead already from yeah. criminologists, yeah. right? But obviously they did, they survived. So what happened? That's what guys? I mean about the setup. And like you expect some like violent end to befall them, but it doesn't happen. Yeah, like Texas Chainsaw. Like, oh, yeah. yes, exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I mean. So grisly. And yeah, now yeah I, I jumped into this movie and it was like, uh, I guess Tim Curry was the reverend and then the, um, the couple. You remind me of the priest from, uh, What's it called? The um, silver, silver bullet from it. There. Yeah, but oh. uh, mm, the American Gothic like couple crazy. in the back was uh, what Riff Raff and Magenta. Correct. Yeah. 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 I jumped into it. Sorry. That's okay. And then that yeah that same Sorry, picture hanging in the uh, in the in the mansion. And the what hanging in the mansion? The same picture. The the American yeah. Gothic picture. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think we about. Covered this one. Y'all ready to give your ratings? Yeah. No. How about you? I still I don't know what my rating is going to be. I have to talk for a minute and then I'll figure it out. <laughs> Go ahead, Jacqueline. Yes. What do you What do you feel about Rocky Horror Picture Show from 1975? So I have to say, it's really hard for me to evaluate this movie objectively because it's so personal to me and it's I have such a long history with it. Like I, f- I actually, to to an extent, I kind of envy you guys, John and Hyderberg, because I feel like you can view it like more um, critically, I guess, and like not be so wrapped up with personal experience with it. Um, by the way, I forgot to mention this at the beginning when I was talking about why I picked it. I'm just going to further cement myself as like a huge geek to you guys. But when I was in high school and I had these friends who were all into it, we actually had like um an like a, a like an online RPG where we played different characters in the movie. It was like a listserv basically and it was like like fan fiction that we were building on each other. so like one per like each person had their character and would write like a scene or something involving their character and then everything that was written subsequently after that had to like accept whatever that person had put forth like if this character hooks up with that character then you have to like run with that you have to like honor that and go with it so i was actually janet so i played janet in the uh, rocky horror rpg (laughs) um and i was actually in another one for greece at the same time which was that's another thing but um, yeah. Another so, character who goes on a similar journey. Nerd alert! Andy and Janet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I was Janet in uh, Rocky Horror. In Greece, I was kind of a minor character, Marty. Mar- you told Marty us Garishino. about the Greece one. Did I tell you about that? Okay, yeah. So yeah, I, I was in the same thing. I didn't from... know about the, the LARPing that you did with. I, yes, it wasn't I... LARPing. It was not live action. It, it, it is LARPing. Online. No, it LARPing is, is live LARPing action. It was not a LARP. No. That's what LA, the LA and LARP are for live action. Duh. Yeah, it is. So, no, it was yeah. like an online listserv that it was basically like. 
spontaneous Look. fanfic in real time is basically what it was. Yeah. So um, anyway, so just another dimension to my um, absolute <clears throat> nerdiness. Um, <laughs> I go nerd. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I just, I love it so much. I love the music of it. I love the aesthetic of it. I think it's so much fun. It really struck a chord for a person who felt like she did not fit in in high school. I think that's so common. Um, I think it's like, it's not just like Megan and I were kind of joking at the beginning, like, oh, this is not just a movie. It transcends everything. But it actually does. Um, kind of like, you know, this is on a smaller scale, but kind of the way that like the Straight Chilling podcast is not just a podcast anymore. It has spawned something else. Um, it's spawned a community among its fans, and that has led to like personal friendships and personal endeavors. You know, Rocky Horror is not just a movie. Like you you can't you can't say that it is. Like you can't deny that it has spawned a whole subculture. It has a deep meaning for a lot of people and not just queer people, but just anybody who for whatever reason feels like they don't fit in or there's something about them that's different. And this movie gives them like a, a place to feel at home. It's a place to feel like it's okay to be different. It's okay to be like a little weird. It's okay to like lean into your sexuality, whatever that is. Um, it's, okay, it's okay to pay, play with these ideas of your identity. I mean, there's like so much there's so much, this movie gives people so much acceptance. You know what I mean? And on a larger scale with like in real life, the people who have come together to be a part of like a community um, that like supports this movie has, I mean, what other movie has such a life of its own that it has like shadow casts all over the world where people play these characters every single week for the almost 50 years? Like that's very un unmatched, really. Um, it's something that became, but not, not even to the same yeah. degree. Like there's not yeah. shadow cat, like those movies don't play every weekend somewhere in the world, like that in multiple places in the world for almost 50 years with actors who play these characters in front of a movie screen every week. And people who have like, who know all of the audience participation lines and they know all the props and they throw toast and they throw rice and they have playing cards. And it's like, um, it, paper. What? So weird. I don't Toilet get any paper. of the references. I don't get how any of those things have anything to do with the film. Great so stuff. during the wedding, people throw rice at the screen. Uh, okay. When Frank makes a toast, people throw toast. Yeah. When he sings, I'm going home, he's like dealing cards for sorrow, cards for pain. So people have playing about cards. Great Scott? When they threw great Scott, they throw toilet paper when he shouts yeah. great Scott. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they're all weird. Um, people have like water guns during the the scene over at the Frankenstein place. Up? I would love to know was it was so it Richard? Of, no, I like so Sal Piero, that um president of the fan club, would probably take credit for a lot of that. Um yeah. but it started with those I early screenings, like in Greenwich. Yeah, it really did. And that was driven by fans. Like that wasn't created by a marketing team. Nobody in the movie, like no no producer said, okay, tell people to do this. And like, no, yeah, it's all fan driven. It, it happened organically from fans. And yeah. that's really special. Like that gives fans a sense of ownership that, um, you know, is not too common with, with our experience with movies. Like it really is its own thing. And so I think that's a glorious thing to give people a venue to come together. So, I mean, I saw the movie a hundred times in high school. When I went away to college, every October they would do a live production of it in front of the the screen. And so that was my first time going to the show. So I did that four times, went with Megan um, in Orlando. It's just, you know, it's an, ex it is an experience. And so it's hard for me to 
separate <laughs> that from the movie itself and judge the movie on its like cinematic merits. But if I'm trying to do that anyway, like this is the kind of movie that is made for me. I do love musicals. I do love camp. I do love the horror and sci-fi influences. I do love the co- the comedy elements of this. I think it's a deeply funny film. Um, I just, I think the performances are so like pedal to the metal. Like everybody is totally embracing these characters and just fucking going for it, especially Tim Curry. I mean, what a performance. And even like, I feel like the character of Brad gets overlooked sometimes, but I think Barry Bostwick's performance is like oh, he's great. out of this world. Um, and I think he's kind of underappreciated. And I think most of the cast kind of looks back on this movie with fondness. And so that I think that tells you something. So I don't know. I can't I can't like break it down and analyze and talk about like what works well and what doesn't. For me, honestly, all of it works. Every little bit of it works. Um, and it means a lot to me. So for me, it's a 10 out of 10 sweet transvestites. That's so. that's a that's a lot of transvestites. That's that is a lot of transvestites. So mm-hmm. I would like to now ask our esteemed guest, Megan. Wow, esteemed. what is your rating of the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Okay, so I'm going to echo so much of what Jacqueline said. Um, this movie is can be fun. It's become a pop culture phenomenon. It's subversive. Um, the costumes are amazing. The, the, set, the set design is amazing. I love the nods to classic horror that we've talked about throughout. I think the music is super fun and catchy and iconic. Um, and then on kind of a deeper level, I think John alludes, has been alluding to this. I, it's, it's a really important film. I actually pulled out a quote from a review that I, I read once just because I feel like it articulates better that idea than I ever could. Um, and it says, for queer viewers, the film offered an early chance to see characters exploring liberating desires and fluid identities on screen living and loving without a care for what societal prejudice tells them is acceptable. I just think that like sums it up so perfectly. Um, such an important film and continues to be important almost 50 years later, which that's, you know, that's just not common. Um, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think there's some outdated language uh, that maybe has not passed the test of time. I think there's, um, maybe some moments that could be considered a little predatory. Uh, <laughs> but despite those elements that, uh, that, like I said, have maybe not passed the test of time, I love this movie so much. I can't watch it without a biased eye. It, it was very formative for me, um, in high school, basically, is when I first saw it. So despite the, the, imperfections um i give this movie 10 out of 10 sweet transvestites oh i'm so glad we were on the same page yeah 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. all right john would you like to go next nope i'm gonna pass the tides bird okay. you always pass you always pass and you you go i am <laughs> you, you go, go. <laughs> damn it heidelberg's not gonna take your shit i know I'll go. Whatever you want me to go. I was I'll trying go. to update the Google go Doc at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to put everybody's score in. Because that's what I do. What I do we got two 10 out of 10s. So. <clears throat> yeah, well, I'm not going to hit a 10. I'm sorry. I just, I'm going to break it to you real quick, ladies. 
Okay. I'm, I'm not coming down on it. I'm just. I, I know, mean, I know, I know. No, I, I was definitely not expecting a 10 from you, so it's uh, really okay. Jack, when you mentioned that you were like jealous that like this is our first time, I'm jealous that I didn't have a moment in a theater with that audience and, and you know, um, participation. That's what I wish I could have had because that's what makes this Wonderful. film what it is to most people. Yeah. Um, I'm taking this film on surface value and like just kind of giving my critiques on my first viewing. But if I had gone to the theaters with friends and experienced this moment of like, you know, throwing shit at the film and or saying shit or just, I don't know. It sounds awesome. It sounds like what my, my viewing of like Grindhouse felt like to me when, yeah, it's just like an awesome movie moment of like theatrical, like, uh, like we're not supposed to act like this in the movies, but we are like, right. Yeah. And I kind of dig that. And I dig that this film still keeps doing that for generations and generations. And the fact that this film is like, awakening people or opening up them to the fact that like hey other people have gone through the struggle like here's a movie about it here's a movie that might speak to any of the struggles that you're going through as a young teen sexuality like any of these things these themes that come into play just like discovery of oneself like it doesn't have to be sexual but uh, this film has a very sexual you know you know nature to it but uh um i dig that about it though i really enjoy that part of the film i think the set pieces you mentioned they're phenomenal like i like they're semi-realistic. They're realistic enough where I like buy them for a movie, but they're cool enough where this movie does a cool thing. I think it blends a play or a musical and a movie really well, where some movies don't do that really well. And they just feel like fucking musicals on film. And for people like me and John who don't dig them as much, we don't vibe. I vibed with it, though. I thought it was a pretty good movie with a lot of the cool stuff that I would see if I had gone to see it played live. I thought it was very interesting I really like the horrific imagery, though. The spooky castle and the laboratory as Scooby-Doo as they were. They were awesome. The cannibalistic dinner party was awesome. Um, Like, there's these themes at play that in the background that I do love. And as a horror fan, like, I'm picking up on those, you know. Um, And I'm you could just tell right off the bat, like, the guy who created this. What is it, O'Brien? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, He just loves these horror films. And the fact that he's kind of like a one-man band with this whole thing. It's very impressive that it got made. It got made by Hollywood as well. And yeah. it kept going on the circuit as far as like being live, you know, live uh, played in Broadway and off Broadway. Um, there's some musical numbers that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed a good bit of them. There were a couple that I didn't enjoy as much, but for the most part, I really enjoyed them. When they broke into song, it just felt right for the scene. And they weren't, there were a couple that were short in the beginning that I liked. They were sort of just like, hey, we're, we're a musical, but we're doing like a, a little short number of just them getting to the castle. It wasn't overly drawn out. Some musicals are like really drawn out. And I like that they cut it short in certain scenes in this film. And I thought that works well for the pacing. I thought our leads were really good, especially Susan Sarandon. You know, my attraction to her aside, like it's uh, Susan Sarandon's a good actress, man. A great actress. And to see her just like early on in this, like going with the flow and like you could tell like as far as the actors that were on the scene like she was definitely going with it and yeah and it shows with her character um it was important that it you know she portrayed that as an actress and i think it i think it shows in her portrayal of uh janet uh tim curry just he just carries the whole thing though he's just really fucking good like um i don't think this film would be spoken about as much if tim curry wasn't in it um Absolutely but it's a great not. film. Like everything else is still there. Like good writing. It's a good musical. Like I don't love musicals, but I, I can understand why people really like this one. Uh, but Tim Curry just really just sends this 
this thing home. He's like perfect casting. And the, the he just does little things with like his lips, his fucking teeth, his like nose. He just, yeah, he just acts the shit out of this. This That's why I think he can go to ranges where he's like, I'm masculine now. Now I'm feminine. Now I'm in between. Like he does this ambiguity with his character that's just so creative. It's interesting. I don't know if you if anybody else has really been on film since then that's done something like this. It'd be interesting to think about. Uh, yeah. Buffalo but yeah, he Bill. definitely pulls in that David Bowie. I do. I, I, I dig the David Bowie. What'd you say, John? Buffalo Bill. From- oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh, almost as good. I yeah, no, I mean, I get it. Yeah, There's something there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. So those are my pros. Uh, just some cons, though. I just, I just don't really know that. Like, there were moments that I didn't know what was going on with the film because I'm just sort of like lost in the sauce. The musical, <laughs> I didn't watch it all with subtitles. So I was like, some of the stuff is just like some of the musical stuff. I didn't, I didn't hear everybody's pronunciation perfectly and stuff like that. So I'm just sort of mm-hmm. like, I don't know the the exact lyrics of this song, and I don't know what they're trying to portray. Because it's all there. It's in the music, right? Like, if I don't understand the music 100%, I'm not going to hear the message 100% either in a musical. You know, it's all about that. So there's moments where I do, I, I got a little lost for like maybe another playthrough or subtitles would help me out. Um, There are moments that do feel just a little silly to me. Like, just a little silly. Like, I'm just like, I'm watching some silly shit right now. But it's okay. But like, I don't know. There were moments that kind of took me out a little bit here and there where it gets yeah. a little silly. Um. Does one and, jump out I, at you? I'm not a big musical guy, so it's like, but I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit more open-minded to it than, say, John is. Like, he really hates musical shit. But um, I can recognize, though, like, the fun of this film and the fun that it must have been to had, like, in person, in public, like you said. Like, wh- this is the best in public during your fucks or sucks, Megan. Like, in public, people are throwing shit. They're saying shit. It's a communal thing. Everybody's enjoying it. And it's speaking to people, too, at the same time. So it's like this inclusion of just like the film itself is including you in something that you're resonating with. And then the culture around the film, the society, like people interacting with it, like you feel as one with them. And so there's this moment, this movement around the film that's transpired throughout decades of like why people generate towards this film. They're just like driven to it. Like it speaks to them. It's timeless and I can respect that. I got to respect that. Like, how could I not? I could see it like I know about it already, but I could see it just on my actual watch. Um, But like I said, I'm just not the biggest musical guy. Like it's like and I don't have the nostalgia that would really tie me into this the way it does you guys. And I I really do envy you guys on that. Like, I think I would like this a lot more. So I don't know what that said. Like, I'm conflicted now because the conversation's good. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I was given a six out of ten. I think I, I feel like I could give it a six point five or a seven. I don't know. Uh, seven, 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 seven. Yeah, I, I can give this film a seven. Okay, he said grudgingly. All right, no, seven. I, mean, I just I liked a lot of it. I I appreciate that. I think that was a respectful review. I can, and there I are can moments, it. and I gotta respect like the cultural like impact this film's had, like. Um, not just for the queer community, but just in general, just people in general, just feeling at, at, like outsiders. Like, uh, it's, I don't know. Like, and the fact that it's transcended generations and still been a thing that people add, you know, you got to watch this film. People set up viewings of this live to do with a, an audience. Like, it's a thing that we're keeping alive. It's it's interesting. It's, um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think we mentioned this, Jacqueline. Maybe it's in your trivia, but this is this film has been playing in a movie theater 
every single night since it originally released. Really? Yeah, it's like yeah. the longest running, continuously running film. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the fact, and then it's played as a play too, or like a musical, and then it's yeah, it toured as, as recently as earlier this year. Yeah. It toured, yeah. I think, in Australia this year. So, Hyderberg, you were saying you feel envious because you never had that experience of going to a theater. You still can. Like that's the good news. You I still know, can, and like you live I'm in New York. Like it's gotta be. Like, hey, I'm cool, guys. I'm cool. Yeah. Hyderberg, <laughs> Hyderberg, it seriously, it is people of all ages, of all walks of life. There is no. There is there is no place on earth with less judgment. It's like going into step aerobics and trying to learn like the it's steps. Not, it's not. It's not. It's oh, not. I promise. I, uh, we, we, what are we doing right here? We're sprinkling. I really want to take you. Oh, we're throwing shit. What are we? What are we shouting? <laughs> Seriously, this is on my bucket list now. I want to. I want to take you to this. And would you like to borrow my? Would you like to borrow my CD that has a recording of the movie thought, plus all I the thought, callbacks? I thought you were going to ask Hyderberg if you'd like to borrow your Frankenfurter costume. <laughs> do you want I to do. borrow my Frankenfurter costume? Yeah, I still have it. I still if we have can it. get a Patreon going and someone would like stop like hundred bucks, then yeah, I'll do a Frankenfurter. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll do it for like a dollar. I, I don't, don't care. We have people that are rich enough. I think Bob from Straight Chillin will probably donate a hundred bucks right now. <laughs> Why on earth? What on earth makes you it's think Bob would ever spend a hundred dollars on that? Just for that? Oh, on God. us? No, I don't think no. so. I think Bob would be like, "Get the fuck out of here." I think Bob would. Yeah, do no. That. no. But Hyderberg, I have a CD that you can learn all the callback lines. It's like a recording of the movie, but you can also hear the audience shouting. <laughs> is there a, so? Is there a definitive like documentary about this film that like breaks down everything? Like, so we go inside the film, outside. You know what I mean? So we get a little bit of both these opinions of like uh, uh, the ideas of like how it was put together and yeah. You don't get the vaccine. Good documentary that kind of breaks everything down and like what it was like. I don't know if there is something like that. Do you know, man? I I've never seen one. Which I don't know. I just feel like like learning about how this was pulled put together and like what worked and how they change things on the fly and like if any background stuff, it would be interesting to me. I I have like a two disc DVD with a bunch of special features. You guys keep talking. I'm gonna go see if it has anything. Okay. Okay. Um, Jacqueline's yes. gonna go see the um the Blu-ray DVD she's commentary. got. She doesn't. Oh. Jacqueline doesn't drop uh, character to the DVD commentary. That's what she's doing. Okay. I'm gonna check that out. She's gonna go check out that DVD commentary. What do you think, Meg? Is it worth it? The commentary. Yeah. I love the commentary. I just I love getting the story from the people who were there. I think that's mm-hmm. so valuable and interesting. So Absolutely. I know my basic DVD had um, Patricia Quinn and Richard O'Brien. So Magenta and Riff Raff. Um, oh, really? Yeah, doing the commentary. And so it was interesting to hear their antidotes. And, you know, they had such a close relationship as characters in the film. So it was interesting for them to talk talk that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, their characters were interesting, actually. We didn't, we didn't talk about it a, a lot uh, in our review, but they were... Um, they're smaller characters, but they're pivotal, especially in the very end with the reveal. So, um, but I do, I, I did really like Magenta's character. I kind of wish there was more of her. Same. Because over the over the time of the film, she gets more unhinged. Yep. Like at first, she's sort of like, um, just like very quiet and still, and she's like the maid, you know. And then over time, she gets there's that moment where the girls are watching the video tape of Brad. Or whatever's they're watching something, right? They're watching something going on 
on the videotape where they're watching that like security camera footage mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. like it's like girls braiding each other's hair and like a sleepover sort of thing <laughs> they're painting toenails i guess yeah sort know. of but they're like and then they're like laughing at this like security footage of these people doing like naughty deeds or whatever and they're yep. like about yep. it and i i sort of dug that scene of them having this like wicked sleepover <clears throat> there, there's jacqueline yeah, I couldn't find I couldn't find the right thing, so I'll have to look more extensively later. But I don't want to waste too much time. John, what's your score, man? Uh, uh one. <laughs> of, no, I'm just no, he's no, he would never. He would. Ne- <laughs> you would never do that to me. John. I, I, I never would. Um, Jacqueline, uh, this is a very important movie, especially the time we're in now. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, you guys both brought up a very good point of its being uh, of its time. Man, I'm going to say this is a 7 out of 10. What was the? Sweet transvestites. Sweet transvestites. 7 okay. out of 10. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Shocked and so excited. I know. Me too. I really did not expect you to go that high. Yeah. Especially for someone who I, hates I, that musical shit. I fucking hate musical shit. Shit. Um, no, it it's was more than a musical, right? It's an experience. It is. It yeah. is. It's really one of those movies that you gotta watch. Um, man, it's 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 not good, but it's <laughs> not bad. Seven. I mean, the seven tells me it's good. Yeah. 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 Um, or at least important, which he, he has acknowledged. So, John, yeah. I appreciate that generous score, given sure. what I know about your personal tastes. So. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, you guys want I'll to hear that. some trivia? Yeah. Yeah, give me some of that musical shit. All right. Yeah, I got oh, I got plenty of it. Although a lot of it did get sprinkled in through the conversation, so there won't be as much afterwards. Um, so Barry Bostwick does have a musical theater background. In fact, he originated, this blew me away. I can't believe I never knew this. He originated the role of Danny Zuko on Broadway's version of Grease. What? Wow. He played Danny Zuko. He was the first Danny Zuko on Broadway. Wow. Hyderberg, do you know who Danny Zuko is? Have you seen Yeah, Grease? I do. Okay. I mean, I, know I never Grease assume anything with you guys. I know that <laughs> John he's... Travolta. John Travolta. <laughs> yeah, so he was the original uh, Danny Zuko on Broadway. Oh, yeah, which... I think he gave him a wig or dyed his hair black. Yeah, I have probably, yeah, probably like shoe polish or something, if nothing <clears> else. <throat> um, this next fact came from something you sent me, Hyderberg. This movie, I did not know this. Meg, I'm curious to know if you knew this. This movie has literal Easter eggs in it. Um, so there are actual colored eggs hidden around the set. The crew allegedly had staged a literal Easter egg hunt just for fun, I guess. And some of them proved so well hidden that they ended up in the movie, including one underneath Frankenfurter's throne. Have you ever yeah. noticed this? Nope. Nope, I have not. That was a new fact for me. Okay, I love this fact. You guys ready? Yeah. In an interview with Terry Gross on her radio program, um, Fresh Air, Tim Curry said that he got to meet King Charles, you know, formerly Prince Charles, now King Charles, and Princess Diana because she loved Tim Curry in this movie. Just, I have to take a minute. Just the concept of Princess Diana watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show is so incongruous to me. That's like, Yeah. (laughs) She was, she, a she, was a real, she was a woman of the people. She, she really was. She, was. she requested the meeting while he was in a production of Love for Love that they attended. Tim Curry recalled that he was placed at the end of the receiving line. And while Prince Charles only vaguely recognized Curry from seeing him on television, 
Princess Diana told Tim Curry with a wicked smile that Rocky Horror had, quote, quite completed my education. Mm. I love it. I love it. Very nice. That's dope. Yep. Um, When Barry Bostwick pounds his fist on the table during the dinner scene, he accidentally pounded on Susan Sarandon's hand. And so she has, like, it's not obvious, but, like, she has a a facial expression, like, a reaction um, on her face. And then she got her revenge by stomping on his foot under the table. And he has a little reaction, too. So that's fine. That's awesome. That's what I meant. Like there, th- there's chemistry between these those two characters. They were dating oh, at the God. time. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's... they were secretly dating at the time. Yeah. Love to hear it. A little bit. Um, Tim Curry fashioned his voice, like his accent. Um, he is British, but this like specific accent, he kind of fashioned after his what he called his mother's telephone voice. You know, we all have like a phone voice that yeah, we yeah. use. You got the white the white lady voice or whatever. <laughs> Hey, hey, how's it going? Hey. Yeah. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. (laughs) So, yeah, his mother's telephone voice and Queen Elizabeth II. So another connection to the royal family there. Um, So I can only, I mean, my imagination takes me to different places on this one. Tim Curry was very reluctant to talk about the movie for some time after um, it came out due to some bad bad memories involving overzealous fans. I don't know if people were like trying to fuck him on the street or what. I don't know what That's was what happening, think but happening. like, um, I yeah. Think this so is like, people like, yeah, yeah. He's at, like he's on the market now. Check him yeah. Out. So he told VH1 that he actually purposely tried to make himself chubby and plain to try to <laughs> escape to escape the role of Frank in that like image. And so he's like, he deliberately like kind of let himself go. I guess That's a what I'm bit. doing right now, guys. By the way, <laughs> I have a lot of followers. And I'm yeah, just because of the podcast, to, and I'm trying just, to stave trying, off. Yeah, I'm just trying to like I'm just blend in incognito. Like he's trying to know. stave off the horny hordes, right? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just knocking the door down. No so uh, these days, he's more open to talking about the movie and even sees it as a rite of passage for teenagers. But for a while after the movie came out, he was like, "Ugh, everybody, get away from me." I'll be honest, having not seen this film, I can still recognize that this is one of the most pivotal films of his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this film cements him as t- like i think it's great uh his portrayal in this film i know that for some people like his iconic role is from clue and for some people it's from it but for me if when i think tim curry i think frankenfurter just i see stepping stones though. like it's like he skipped a fucking stone in the in the water in the lake you know a and fucking we got, stone <laughs> God. We, well we got this moment impressive. that struck the water we got and then we get clue and then he refines that and he comes in with it. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, all these steps, what, why he could take these next roles, mm-hmm. this role. And then he could do the clue role where, it, you know, he has his moment, his monologue in the end. And it all re- revolves around him as an actor making right. that film work. Right. Clue mm-hmm. yeah. only works because of Tim Curry's delivery in the end. Yeah. And it's similar. He's acting around other actors that are really good, too, just like he is in this film. Um, I love the moment that he's revealed, too. And how the followers like are just like, like, we love you. We yeah, love you. They're all fawning over him. Yeah. yeah. Love you. Uh, so it sounds like the the production, the actual like production time was pretty uncomfortable for the cast. The seat, the, the seat, the set had no heat and no bathrooms. Mm. Uh, and when Susan Sarandon told the studio heads how unpleasant it was, they told her that she was just complaining too much. Oh, my God. No heat in the seat. Yes. <laughs> I definitely messed that up. Uh, she actually caught pneumonia after filming the pool scene in her Skippy outfit. And according to Richard O'Brien, she was shaking with fever and should have been under medical supervision. But she didn't yeah. want to like 
you know, disrupt anything. So she just plowed through basically. So yeah, she was like really sick, really sick. Uh, I love this one. Richard O'Brien was concerned that Meatloaf might not be able to handle the lyrics to Hot Patootie. He said he brought out the music and told Meatloaf um, that it's okay to flub a few lines. No one in the London cast has ever sung the whole thing correctly anyway. It Meatloaf sounds looked- like a Meatloaf song. I know, right? It totally does. Yeah, so I'm like, Me- well, he, he nailed it. I thought he wrote it. No. So Meatloaf looked at the music, said, what's the problem? And then sang the whole thing in one take without skipping a beat. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think his character, even though like he didn't have much going on in the film, when he does show up, it's cool. Yeah. All right. I love this next fact. You guys are going to shit. You know how I love who could have played this role, right? Like, I love mm-hmm. knowing who almost played the role. <clears throat> one possibility for the role of Brad Majors, this person actually auditioned, I guess did not get the part. Steve Martin. Really? Mm-hmm. I could totally see Steve Martin as Brad. <laughs> not the masculinity part, though. No. The very masculine parts, I think the actor who plays Brad is a little taller. He's built a little bit differently. Yeah. yeah Steve yeah. Martin. He just doesn't strike me as like a man that I'm like, he's going to protect me. No, I don't know. I think he could. I think he could mm-hmm. pull it off. Yeah. But I don't know. I love so, Barry Bostwick. So I have no complaints with Barry Bostwick. I but I just think it's role, interesting to consider. Yeah, the comedic parts, though, I, I could see, see Steve Martin like nailing, though. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't he get the part because he wasn't as flexible. Yeah, he probably <laughs> he couldn't lift his leg up like that. Yeah. Imagine Tom Hanks angle. as Brad. What's that? Imagine a young Tom Hanks as Brad. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I'm kind of like. I've never seen the Burbs, though. So I, I, I know. Have... So it was. Uh, you know, I always get to pick movies on my birthday weekend. That's like the one time I get to pick whatever I want. And Joey can't complain. Um, <laughs> I actually picked the Burbs on Friday night and it was not available. Like there were like two different versions of it on Amazon and both of them it said video unavailable. The only way I could watch it was with, I don't know, stars or something. And I don't well, have That's that. because we need to cover it on the show. And it's it, that was, <laughs> Jacqueline. No, Jacqueline. No, no. You can't stop it. it. You have to watch it. When Hydroberg picks it. Okay, well then I'm going to have to like uh, buy it on physical media or something because I, I picked it on Friday night for my first movie of the... So we ended up watching Sunset Boulevard instead. But that was great. But I didn't get to watch The Burbs. So. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, another possible uh, actor for a role. Vincent Price was offered the role of the criminologist. Really? Don't you love that? Yeah, I do. But he turned it down due to scheduling conflicts. Um, he was interested in the role as he had seen the West End musical and had loved it. Interesting. I can see him in that. It's short. He could do just those little bits. Uh-huh. Um, I I love this one so much, and I expect to hear some singing from you guys as soon as I say it. Okay. According to Meatloaf, Elvis Presley was the studio's first choice to play Eddie, and he oh, did wow. express interest in the role. Yeah, what's going on? It's me, Thank Billy. You. I'm Billy. Uh-huh. I'm, uh, I'm like so Thank behind. you very much. <laughs> mm. casting choice. Uh-huh. What were you thinking? You should have totally gone with Elvis. <laughs> Hoppatootie. I, I said, I said, Hoppatootie. That was Hop-a-tootie. really Foghorn Leghorn. Hop-a-tootie. That was an Elvis. <laughs> I got to say. I see, I see, I see. I see. I see. <laughs> so, Elvis to me, just, I've always been an Elvis oh fan. But as time goes on, he just gets cooler and cooler. He loved Black Christmas. Yeah, he did. He was interested yeah. in playing Eddie in Rocky Horror. Like, who knew he was that cool? Damn. Actually, uh, oh, look, I love that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Ah, Nick, I got it. 
Mick Jagger wanted to play Dr. Frankenfurter. Yes. Dude, he's got the moves like Jagger. He, he sure does. He better. <laughs> <laughs> he better. Yeah, that's where the moves come from. They come from him. The Yeah, yeah the Jagger moves. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I could see, I don't know that he could do the hyper masculine uh, side though. I think he's, yeah. I, I think he would lean a little too far towards the feminine. Like, I don't know that he could have that like really commanding deep voice that Tim Curry had. I'm very interested in like, it's none of my business, but just Curry's sexuality at this moment in time. Like, was this a, an awakening for him as well? Like, was there something that kind of like added to his performance that like, he could tap into both those things very well at this moment. And like, maybe it was something he was just going through as a, the human being. I don't know. It's a, he or just maybe can't... it was just a job. I really don't know. I don't I, like, I don't even know. Yeah. If he's a really good actor, he could just act something out. But I just wonder if there's any personal stuff involved too. Cause I find that interesting when there is. Yeah. I really don't know the answer to that, but I think it's worth a Google search in the original stage production in London. Dr. Scott and Eddie were played by the same actor. So when you hear like original cast recordings, you'll hear the same actor playing um, both roles. So it's become the custom in many subsequent productions. Meatloaf was actually really disappointed that he wasn't going to get to play Dr. Scott. And he years later could maintain that it was a huge mistake that they didn't have him play both roles. And he's like, it's supposed to be his nephew. Like they should look alike. And so I mean, I could have like, seen him coming in in the wheelchair, bursting through the wall. Like yes. I could have seen Meatloaf pulling that off. Dude, That's... more meatloaf. Like anything yeah. that gives me more meatloaf Get is good. Chops. And John, <laughs> shut your mouth. I mean, this shut is prime mouth. meatloaf. He came, he would come through that wall like a bat out of hell, John. Like <laughs> he certainly would have. Great, Scott. I loved it. Yeah. And this is before Back to the Future. So he only got to play one of those roles, not two. But, you know, as they say, one out of two ain't bad. Oh, thanks. I just came up with that one myself. <laughs> That's how it's done. Oh, thank you. Megan, how do you feel about that? I'm I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to water it like a flower. Jacqueline, I think that was great. Oh, thank you. Butters, how do you feel about that? Butters is chilly. He doesn't feel a certain way about anything, it looks like. Butters? Butters. He's just chilling. Butters. He's just Butters. looking at you like, bitch, what? Yeah, he's just kind of like, He's totally giving you side eye right now. <laughs> he is giving side eye. He's doing his best Tim Curry right now. I like it. Yeah, yeah he is. All right. I'm going to try like... to speed through the rest of them because not all, all right, of these are on. like, not all of these are top tier trivia facts. Okay. I'll just try to keep it good. Um, So Susan Sarandon recently revealed that she actually didn't plan to audition to play Janet. She was friends with Tim Curry already and she stopped by the set to say hi to him. Um, And while she was there, producers saw her and asked her to try out. They said everyone they had auditioned so far were good singers, but none of them made Janet very funny. And I forget one of you fellas mentioned like the humor in the in the in the movie. And I think Janet, like I think the way Susan Sarandon plays her actually is pretty funny. Yeah, but so um, she said no, because she can't really sing. And in fact, she was kind of phobic about about it. So the producers just said, well, can you just sing us like happy birthday? So she sang happy birthday and they loved it. So they mm-hmm. cast her. And I think mm-hmm. she did a great job. I think she really did. Um, I do too. Inject some humor into the uh, the role. Um, <clears throat> I do like. I I have to include this fact. So the castle, you know, that was used for for filming was actually used in numerous Hammer movies. Wow! Um, and I'm really excited that we're going to be covering our first Hammer horror movie in like just a few weeks. I think three weeks from now. Uh, so then, the house in Nightmare Park, the reptile, the Brides of Dracula, the Man in Black, the Old Dark House, all of these were filmed there. 
So wow. it has it has a horror Where history. Is it it's in uh, England. It's uh, outside of oh gosh, it's in Bray, which is outside of oh gosh, I lost the fact. It's like outside of London. Somewhere. I believe it's, it's pronounced Slute. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I'm not very <laughs> cosmopolitan. I'm not good no. at pronouncing. I'm sorry. Uh, so Jim Sharman, the writer and director, well, the co-screenwriter um, and director, said that he got a much more high-spirited, jubilant performance from the cast when they're doing the underwater kind of like orgy kind of scene while Frank is singing Don't Dream It Be It because it was yeah. so freaking cold and mm. everybody was miserable and freezing. <laughs> And Jim Sharman said, the wilder it is, the sooner you'll get out of here. So I guess they like really went for it right off the bat so they could just yeah. get out of there and get warm. So, but then, yeah, she got pneumonia, but oh, well. Um, oh, well, <laughs> she got pneumonia. Oh, she got well. pneumonia, but yeah. oh, well. We know where she lived. Yep. All right. So that's about all the trivia I have. Oh, I did want to also mention the budget was just under like $1.5 million. And over uh, time, it has grossed like I don't know. I want to say around $230 million. So that's a pretty good ROI. Pretty good, I would say. So that's it, fellas and lady. It was fun talking about Rocky Horror with you. And canine. And canine. Yes. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Look at his little teeth. He's like, I look at (laughs) it. He's so cute. Um, So, yeah. Thanks for talking about Rocky Horror, everybody. yeah, I know it might not have been the most fun experience for all of us here. But... No, no. Uh, it was definitely not the least fun experience I've ever had on this show. <laughs> okay, I'll take True. it. Yeah, yeah, but I probably yeah, am responsible the for the one that was. Right Heidelberg says it's not the least fun thing that he's done so far. John will say, um, agreed. Yeah. Although I probably am also responsible for the things that were the least fun for you. So. I'm not saying that. I wasn't bringing that into question. But if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. But no, it's okay. Let's. I'll, I'm going to blow right past that. Perhaps we'll bring the other people on that say nay, <laughs> nay. Oh, <laughs> and I can say nay. Yep. Um. Next week. It's Hyderberg's pick. Hyderberg, what have you chosen for us? My pick. Next week is my pick, and we will be covering Brightburn from 2019. Okay. Yes. I have first time special guest lined up as well, but I'm not gonna I'm gonna keep that to myself right now. Really? All right. Cool. Fair enough. Just I'm to afraid. make sure that they, they show up. I don't want to <laughs> they're a hard guy to, to get down, you know. And uh, uh let's just say if if they don't show up, I don't want to be left, you know, holding the bag. Oh, well, then you shouldn't have even said anything anyway. Well, whatever. Either way, <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. Brightburn, 2019. Yeah, I'm looking forward to... Uh, I've never seen that, so I'm looking forward to watching it and also hearing uh, hearing your reasoning behind it. So, All right, so we can all look forward to Hyderberg's pick next week. Um, is that one on Shudder? I feel like it might be on Shudder. I, I couldn't find it streaming. Okay, uh, well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. So everybody watch Brightburn for next week and come back and join us. In the meantime, Meg, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Rocky Horror. I'm glad that I had somebody else who had like a deep personal experience with it that was like, you know, that like could feel me, you know? Yeah, this has been so fun. Thank you for having me. It's about time. I mean, you're kind of like, you know, you and I are such old friends. Yep. You and I are such old friends and you've listened to like every episode. So it's like this was just kind of inevitable. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Hope to have you back real soon. Love you. All right. 
in the meantime, if people want to email us with your own personal experiences with Rocky Horror, uh, whether meatloaf fucks or sucks in Rocky Horror, um, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on X at cut above horror. I second that. Uh, email us, let us know, or like reach out to us. Like, what does this film mean to you? Like, there's there's no way that this film doesn't mean something to some of our listeners. And like, you know, what is it? Did it did it get you into the genre? Did it get you into musicals? Uh, you know, what was a live experience like? Anything? If you could just reach out to us, let us know. It'd be interesting to hear back from everybody because I do think this film resonates with so many different people throughout the generations. So, um, yeah. yeah. But if you want to reach us on Instagram, you can catch us at a cut above one word dot har underscore review. Be our friend on uh, a <laughs> or... be our friend. Don't dream about being our friend. Be our friend. Yeah, be, be our friend. At Facebook, a cut above colon horror review. We also <laughs> goodness. <laughs> we need those ratings on Spotify time. and iTunes. We yep. appreciate those five star reviews and yep. ratings. We appreciate it. Any and all feedback. And, you know, you can always give us constructive feedback, too. If there's something you don't like or something you want to see us do on the show, you know, email us and let us know or hit us up on the socials. We welcome constructive criticism because we want to make the best show we can for y'all. So, fellas, I will see you back here next week to talk about Brightburn. Megan, I hope I see you in person very soon. It's been way too long, but I'll at least take this in the meantime. I love you. Love you, too. All right. See you guys back here next week for Brightburn. And keep it creepy.